This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we have a very, very special show in store for you. First of all, we'll be running the rule over Palace's fifth defeat in a row in the Premier League uh, without scoring, of course. This time it was Southampton who beat Palace at Selhurst Park. Uh, we'll also be talking to Steve Parrish. The chairman has agreed to join us for an exclusive interview. Uh, all sorts of fireworks on the way there. Uh, I'll introduce you to the panel in just a moment, but if you want to get in touch this week, go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch. We'll be back in just a moment. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, Homophobia. doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, thank you everybody for joining us. We're joined immediately live by Palace Chairman Steve Parrish. Hi Steve. Evening boys, how are you? Very, very good. Slightly slightly, um, excited for this actually. This should be pretty good. Uh, Thank you to everyone for joining us and submitting your questions. What I've done is put everything together into, into kind of an amalgamated form. So we'll cover all the topics that you wanted to cover, hopefully in the way that you want them covered. And uh yeah, let's just let's just get on with this. We do have Jill Holyoke with us. Hi, Jill. Hey, Neil. I think we've also got Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hello, and Lucy White. Hello. And uh, they will be also helping me talk about the game at the end of the interview with Steve. But before, we're just going to go straight into this. Steve, here we go. <laughs> it's really? uh, it's been a hectic, hectic few days. Uh, we've dismissed Frank De Boer, seen him replaced with with Roy Hodgson. So, given that long term vision, when we when you, you appointed Frank and you sat down at a press conference with him, what was it that went so wrong so quickly that you had to make that change? Um, well, obviously, results weren't good, but you know, I can understand people feeling that four games isn't enough. But of course, you know, Frank's here from the first of July, pretty much. And in the end, I just didn't think it was going to work. Um, now, you know, we, we could have gone on longer. Um, uh, but if that then produced the outcomes that I thought it was going to, then that just kind of makes me negligent, really. I don't think it's about 
you know, you know what you open yourself up for uh, when you make that change. But I can't sit there thinking, oh, well, people are going to say it's not long enough and people are going to say, well, didn't you think it through in the summer? But I can't let that really make the decision. The decision's got to be, what's the big picture? Is this going to improve? And based on two and a half months, um, really, not, or, not, not four games, you know, based on two and a half months, I didn't think that it would work. And I regret that, of course, and I regret, you know, the fact that it didn't work for Frank as much as it didn't work for the football club, but it, it, it didn't. Um, and I felt we had to make a change. So, I mean, you've, you've got a match of the day last night. It was Alan Shearer who said, it smacks of whether, whether the uh, owner or chairman not doing any homework whatsoever. How do you respond to that? Well, actually, it was the one we had the most time for. We possibly almost agonised over it too much and too, it kind of became almost muddled thinking. And I think because we took too long, we did we, we, we lost some options as well. Um, and listen, it's difficult for me to totally talk about what went on in that period from a, you know, thinking and what we did do. But, you know, Frank impressed when I met him and he we talked a lot about what we were, you know, and, and the time that I felt it would take to change. So, I think it's, look, as far as Alan's concerned, uh, you know, I met him the other day at a function. He's a nice guy. Um, he's been a fantastic footballer. I love watching him. But, you know, some people are paid to make opinions. I'm paid to, well, I'm not paid, to um, <laughs> do my best for the football club. You know, I mean, eight years ago, I decided I wanted to take something I loved and try and make a difference to it. And um, I'm not going to sit here now and write off the last seven years as a, as a failure because Alan Shearer doesn't think I took enough time, you know. Um, perhaps if certain people decided to get involved in creating things or making things or put themselves on the line, they would have the same sort of experiences, you know. I don't think I would ever take that option of sitting there criticising other people that are taking risks and, 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 and trying to do their best in that way. Um, certainly not before asking them, but... Obviously, people are paid for opinions and controversy, and you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't because we didn't think about it. It was perhaps because we thought about it too much, um, and maybe there was a bit of a disconnect about what could be achieved in the time possible. And that's not about spending money; just about, you know. I think that the leagues are very different, and, and maybe what Frank thought he could achieve in a shorter space of time, what what wasn't um, wasn't going to happen. I mean, if you look back at the second half of Ipswich. We went to four three three, and then even Burnley went to four three three. You know, clearly with the people we had, that seemed to be the best way for us to play. Um, so, you know, mm. and Frank was perfectly capable of coaching the team to play that way. You know, we, we did okay against Burnley, but I think there were there were just by that time, I think we were in a bit of a cycle, and I just felt we needed to make a change. Well, obviously, one of the one of the things that people have perhaps criticised most was that, given the idea was this this gradual evolution of a squad and playing a more attractive sort of football, given the, the constraints of FFP that the, the, the team are working can just, under, can we just can we just stop that? Right, I I didn't ever say I don't believe I'm sure somebody will find it that I ever considered that we were looking for a more attractive style of football. I don't, I don't think I ever said that. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe I did. If I did, then I misspoke because it wasn't what I meant. I, I think we're looking for a more effective way of staying in the league, 
you know, the fact of the matter is we're bottom three the last two seasons at home. Yeah. And I think maybe even beyond that. And then we're seventh or eighth away from home. And what I was saying, if you remember, if anybody remembers, is that, you know, I watched Swansea got to Man United last year. They played three different systems in a game. Um, you know, they played wingers. They played 4-4-2. They played a diamond. They put, and I think they went three at the momentarily. So it wasn't to discard what we did because I actually think that what we do is very exciting when it's going well. You know, I think it, 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 it's just that we need a different way of playing to break sides down, uh, particularly at home, you know, when they're sitting against us and kind of do what we do to them. So I'm never going to apologise to Alan Shearer or anyone for taking a risk and trying to improve this football club. Never, ever going to apologise for that to anyone. And if I make mistakes in doing it, I'll have my hands up. Mm. But I'm not going to apologise to anybody for it. Well fair, well, fair enough. But I mean, obviously, the, the criticism has been that, that we needed to do too much change to the squad to appoint a manager like De Boer. How, how do you answer that? Is that is that a fair comment? Well, I don't think, by a personal point of view, if you manage a football club, your job is to win games with what you got. Yeah, but that, that, uh, that, that's what I think your job is. I mean, there was no, there were no. We, we knew what we'd spent in January. We knew that it was going to be constrained in the summer. It wasn't going to be easy. Um, as, it, as it ended, we spent more money than, than I thought we would because, again, I had to go to, you know, my pals and, and my bank and, put, you know, agree to support that. So, um, there's, there's really, I don't think you can really make that connection. You know, it wasn't like sat down, don't worry, we're going to buy 15 new players and you can play however you, you personally prefer to play because I think that comes with its own problems anyway when you do that. So there was a lot, you know, there was always talk, I think, in, in the press conference and all those things at the, at the beginning was about an evolution. Um, and I think it's fair to say that Frank probably found that, you know, the way we referee the league and some things about our league and the difference in the way that we approach the game when we play are different. And, um, you know, in the end, I felt that, we, you know, we probably didn't have time um, not necessarily to adapt style of play, but to adapt to the team, of the management team getting used to those differences and and really kind of really understanding them at a deep, deep level. Um, you know, I, I still contend that any manager that's come to England, you know, will probably, you know, probably didn't play at Southampton when he arrived. How he plays now with Spurs, you know, it's a variation on it. It's a version of it, but it was, different when he was at Southampton and probably different in different games. Um, you know, no matter what we are, we're never going to go probably to Man United away and pass them off the pitch, are we? Or Chelsea away or Arsenal away or Liverpool away. So if you're a manager of a football club, you've always got to have a different approach to different opposition in different games, surely. You know, you, you can't say as a manager, I want to come and manage your football club. And, I'm, and nor did Frank, to be fair to him, I'm only going to play this way and I'm going to play this way, even if I know on Saturday we're going to get beat doing it. Yeah, so so I mean, going going back to the players and, and what we had is that, you know obviously rumours and everything else. Stephen, I don't like to just go on about rumours because we everyone is surrounded by it at the moment. It's all rumours and stuff. But did he want a new? Uh, did he want Chambers and um, a new number one goalkeeper and a striker? I wanted, you know, if you ask me what I want for the team, I could probably give you a longer list than that. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't rate what we've got. I do. 
I've got, but you know, there are there are always always more players that you can go and buy, aren't there? You know, we're not winning the league every year, so by definition, um, there was a need for a striker, um, definitely. But you know, Gyro, Foster Timothy, Loftus Cheek were players um, that the manager wanted, and then. Um, we did inquire about Chambers, but in the end, we felt Sacco was about to buy. We wanted to buy two centre backs, so you know, um, you know, everybody can, as they will with football, make their own mind up about what they think the values of, of the players were. That you know, we didn't buy the players that we did buy, but it's not if his desire was for a striker. If that's what he's saying was for a striker, a, a centre back, a goalkeeper. Well, you know, we did one. We tried to do the other one. Um, very difficult market, striker market. But there were also, when we did the other things, there was a different school of thought as well from the management team about how we might be able to work and and put the money elsewhere. So these things are, in hindsight, you know, you can say, oh, there was, was there a conversation one day where that was the ask? I don't, I don't know, I can't remember. But um, certainly we worked towards getting Frank as much else as we could and we spent more money than we thought we would spend or definitely more money than was promised. Right. So, again, perhaps not wanting to look back too much, but, uh, you know, obviously Roy's, Roy's in charge now. He, he seems extremely excited to be in that job. Uh, but is it right to assume that the pre-season aim of, you know, we talked about pushing on, trying to, as you say, change things, get, get in the top ten. Is the remit simply now keep us in the league? And is the, the change in backroom staff behind that? Um. No, the change of backroom staff is simply because I feel we have too many people. Really, I think every you know, I think it's a leaner management team will get us clear more clarity. You know, again, I often say this: you know, the fans castigate us from mistakes that they know about. I castigate myself for more mistakes than that. Trust me. And the road to hell is sometimes paved with good intentions. And I really felt that having um, some of the existing people around Frank would help him. But I think in the end. That it, it didn't help him, and and as much as it, it could have done, in fact, it may have hindered. Not because those people are bad people, but I just think you had a kind of a divergence there. You know, we we, we, we thought, it, and it was his decision, but we thought it might help him just get to grips with the league and the differences. Um, but you know, in the end, it, 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 I don't think it did help. So, um, of course, now you know, priority number one is to stay in the league because of the terrible start we've had. Be delusional, you all think I got got mad if I said that. You know, we're definitely going to finish in the top ten. But um, I think the highest place finish we had was when we started this badly. So anything's possible, I guess. But of course, the priority at the moment is to get out of the bottom three. You know, that's you never you never feel good about life, do we? Any of us? You know, certainly none of us at work or play for the football team if we're in the bottom three. You know, that's not going to be any. We all know it's not going to be easy over the next three games. So of course, the expectation is look as a starting point. We'll all be very, very happy now if, if, if we're still in this division at the end of the year. Of course we will. Uh, but we've got a squad that's good enough to do it. We've got a manager that knows everything about that challenge and, and beyond. And, and a backroom staff that have, I'm very excited to have at the club, you know. So we, will, we won't stop if we just stay up. We'll obviously try and push on as much as we can. But of course, the prize moment's got When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just to get out of the bottom three. No, uh, that's, that's, that's a fair point. And obviously, it has been a, it has been a difficult start. But I think a lot of the, the angst and the criticism has come from a, a sort of a run of difficult sort of periods over, over a, a long time, really. So how much of that is... Is down to the difficulty of kind of maintaining and building a team in the Premier League, and you know we're going to talk about the transfer window in just a moment. Um, but in particular, you know, replacing players who were once influential but maybe aren't so much, or players that have gone on to seek pastures new, is is that behind some of that difficulty that we've had? Well, I think when we got promoted, you know, we we're probably quite thin as a squad in terms of you know we didn't have that many players full stop really. Uh, for the rigours of a Premier League season and there are different challenges so we, we've been a bit up against it um, and uh, again we just felt that to improve we've got to try and improve you know these home results we've got to be able to break down teams that are sometimes sitting against us um, and that's what we've, we've tried to do and we strive to do and um, you know again I, I'm not going to apologise for trying to change and improve because of course what, none of us want to be fighting relegation every year um, this football club has never found a formula to do that in 118 years. Just to put some perspective on it. Yeah. Right? Nice. So, so you know, we found we found part of the formula um, because we've been here for this is our fifth, which is a record. But it doesn't get any easier actually when you when you're in here longer. I know that sounds. I actually, when you get promoted, you know, you've got a lot of free cash and a lower wage bill and you can easily add to the squad with that. Um, and of course, you've got a togetherness. You've got a side that's just been promoted. You do have more, you do have different challenges as you go along and you get a bit more blocked up with the wage bill and you haven't got as much cash being generated, if any, by the club and you've got transfer fees that you agreed to last year that you got paid this year and stuff like that. So, um Every year does present different challenges, definitely. Fair play. Um, on, on the subject of the, the transfer window, we've uh, we've had a question in from Rob Sutherland from, from a five-year plan. And the question is, what what happened with signing a striker and why was it not made a priority given the fact we'd already signed three defenders? Um, well, it was made a priority. Why, why would you think it wasn't made a priority? Well, again, I you... Mean, I, you don't would, yeah. I mean, look, it, the striking market is very difficult. You know, it's a difficult market and I, I, I you know, I'm not going to talk about too many individual decisions, but I certainly thought that we should keep Fraser uh, because I think, you know, in an ideal world, you have three foot strikers at a club. You know, I think, you know, the point of view of a, of a Dougie is you can never have too many. Uh, they are rare, you know, strikers that can score in the Premier League and can do the rest of it so that you're not effectively, you know, playing a bit handicapped the rest of the time because in the Premier League you can't play with you know nine and a half outfield players you know you, you, the goal scorer has got to also work hard for the team playing for us certainly I thought Fraser gave us that you know 
yes, he struggled for goals sometimes, but he always came on and made a difference to me. Gave us something different. Gave us an option. Of course, we knew Connor was probably going to be out till January, so it was a you know. But there are other ways to approach it, and um, you know I think maybe there were thoughts that the money would be could be spent elsewhere and that um, other solutions could be found to the striker. Of course, we started the season playing Wilfred up there up top, you know, with with Christian, and uh, people forget that big blow, you know, that star player that we secured. You know, that's probably like having a fifty hundred million pound sign in securing Wilf, and um, obviously him being injured in the first game. You know, not I'm not going to cry into my beer about it because we've got to be able to absorb things like that. But, you know, we haven't had a lot of luck as well this year. Um, if you remember when things started to go badly at Swansea, it was when Connor went off for his cruise ship uh, last year. So uh, we we're all acutely aware of that. And um, it was a very difficult market finding the right one. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't go right at the end. Um, and we didn't get one. So, you know, it's not a situation that we would have all, any of us would have wanted, but it's not something that um, we didn't make a priority or so, certainly some people thought was a priority. Well, how, how do you answer the, the assertion again, that it was, it was, you know, dangerous to leave it so late uh, to, to go after a striker. Is that actually the case? But we didn't leave it that late to go after him. Um, there, there were just problems with the deal. You know there were problems with the deal, and then and then we you know we were we were trying to do other deals as a compromise, and there were problems with those ones, and it just isn't in our gift. You know what we don't want to do is you don't want to buy somebody just for the sake of it. We, we would all agree with that, right? And we would all agree as well that it isn't totally in our power. I don't have unlimited money. I have the money that you know the club generates plus the money that the shareholders, i.e., me and my mates, are prepared to write checks for. So. You know, straight away, that gives you a limited budget, right? Pretty much every football club, bar probably one in this league, operates on a limited budget of some kind. So, therefore, I have to try and find a player for the money that we've got um, to um, make a difference to the team. And also a player that we hope, we hope then either appreciates in value or doesn't lose any value uh, and one that, you know, will provide benefit in the future. You could easily go and buy a second striker just for the sake of it. But, you know, we need to get one that can do the job for Crystal Palace. Well, Ben, ben yeah, Ben's asking, uh, Steve, is, are, are you looking in the free transfer market for a striker at the moment? We have looked. We have looked because we did deliberately leave a place in the squad, hoping that that would be the case. And, and, and the striker market is one where you do sometimes find a free player um, that's out of contract. But, Mostly, if a player's released, mostly it's for a reason, isn't it? You know, not yeah. normally they're coming towards the end of their career, or you know, a lot of times it's from markets where you have to question whether they're fit enough to compete in the Premier League. You know, they've maybe been playing in an area where the levels of fitness required for their inherent ability aren't, you know, what you need in the Premier League. You know, these players are running so far. Gary Neville said today, these players run so far in every game now in the Premier League. It's so intense that, you know, it's not just about the ability to score goals. You've got the legs, you know, to, to compete and to play in the Premier League and to do the other parts of the job. Um, you know, get us up the pitch away at Chelsea when we're 2-1 up and we're back to the wall and we, 
you know, we, we give you a not very good ball maybe and you've got to, you know, just make it difficult for the centre-back or try and make something happen, run into the channels, get a throw in, get a free kick. You know, there are attributes that you need of, of a team of where we are right now in, in the Premier League and um, if we can't find that in a player, then I don't think there's any point. Of course, we still keep our right. There are some leagues that are going to finish soon and, and if there's anybody that we feel can contribute, genuinely contribute, then, we'll, then of course we'll do it. And we, we know of every player, free player that's out there, we think. Right. It is, I suppose it, when you look at the, I mean, take take the game yesterday, for, for example, against Southampton, when you, you're sort of looking in that, that second half for us to try and change something, try and get back into that game. And obviously we've had a couple of situations where Scott Dan's gone up front, you know, it, it, it's very difficult, obviously. You can understand from a fan's point of view when you, when you, you want to change the game. And, and Benteke is not a guy who's going to run into the channels and do that sort of make something out of nothing more often than not. Does that make it you know, more frustrating for you that you weren't able to do anything? Well, we can all see the things that are going wrong when they're going wrong, can't we? You know, I mean, mm. it, 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 it's, it's, it's like everyone's got a crystal ball in hindsight. You know, of course, we thought that it would give us problems. And, you know, we saw what a fantastic job Shane Long did for his team yesterday. And, and we would, of course, a different situation, we would love to have one of them. You know, I thought on his day, Fraser did that job for us. You know, maybe not sometimes to that level, but, you know, he gave us energy and he gave us, um, you know, they're both players that people say probably don't score enough goals, but they do so many other things on the pitch that give you a benefit that help other players do something and perform and, and excel and score goals that, yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's a loss, a miss. You know, there are other deficiencies possibly in our squad. Nobody's got the perfect squad, but yeah, I, I agree. You know, we, we should have got a striker signed. We wanted somebody who would run in behind. We wanted somebody who would run the channel. We had somebody in the building, uh, you know, but we're not prepared to just equally bend to every demand that we're given. And, and there's a limited budget available for people. So, in the end, I can only spend what I've got. Well, and that that deal with with the player who wasn't able to be signed, and you don't, I know you don't really probably want to go into the details of that, but was that something that was the down to the club, or was that just something out of your hands? Um, look, in the end, I, 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 only time will tell whether it was. You know, it, it's not fair to go into it. I don't want to start. You know, those things. Are, Everybody looks at it from a different point of view, but it didn't happen. You know, it's a problem. No one's going to say it isn't a problem, but it wasn't for the one to try. And equally, we're not going to sign people. I'm not talking about that player. I'm talking about just generally. We're not going to sign strikers or any other position just for the sake of it. You know, and then and then we've got another player that that, that maybe can't perform to the level we want in our team. So, um, in the end, you know we have to get past the mistakes. We have to plan to try and fix them. Um, and uh, we, there's a lot of long-term planning that will go into the January transfer window. And if, if we're in a situation where whatever we feel we need to help, hopefully we'll be able to get it done quickly if we can. But you need a willing seller and you need to be able to buy a player for the money that you can afford. And I think what we've been able to afford has been pretty hefty in the last couple of transfer windows. You know, we've not been shy. I think we've spent including loans, probably 80, 85 million extra wages, 90 million in in fees and wages and loan fees. And we've probably sold Steve for, you know, a few million. So, 
yeah, we're spending the money. Uh, that's and what I mean, we spend it wisely and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but you know, if I hadn't bought Sacco and I'd have bought two strikers that didn't work out, would anybody be any happier? Certainly not. But especially if Sacco had signed for someone else, I would suggest. But uh, but there we go. Um, I mean, give, given that signing of, of Sacco, it's a huge deal for the club. But it does feel it's kind of been overshadowed by by some other issues, perhaps. But I mean, look looking at the, tra- the transfer. Five games, eight nil. There's a thing I can understand from the supporters. You know, I mean, the, the, the only stat that matters at the moment is we've lost five games and we haven't scored a goal. You know, there's no running away from it. No one's running away from it at the football club. Not good enough. You know, players don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's good enough. It's not good enough. We, 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 and we're better than that. And we've got to do better. But, you know, it's I can, that part of it from the supporters I can understand, you know. Oh, I signed Sacco. It's not really going to excite him, is it, at the moment? You know, I mean, hopefully, when we get Mamadou back and we get and we get Wilfred back, you know, they can make a difference. And um, maybe we'll all be in a better place about that. But I understand what people are focusing on at the moment. They, you know, they don't want to talk about anything other than the negativity around the transfer window. Nobody wants to talk about the positives. I think Semifi's done very well. I think, you know, um, uh, Ruben's done very well. Unfortunately, we lost him to an injury as well. So, and we're not having a lot of luck in front of the goal. You know, I don't think at Burnley anybody can say that we were the worst team. Most people think we were the better team. Yesterday we could have easily got a draw. Um, we could be on four points and we probably wouldn't be in the bottom three. So, you know, it's it's we're not bemoaning our luck because in the end over a season you make your own luck. But, you know, I do think we probably haven't quite had the rub of the green as well as not performing to the level that we, we should be. No, that that has definitely affected the, the the confidence within the club. You can see that with the players. A lot of the questions we've received, Steve, have been about how the fans now feel and uh, now feel about the team and about the players. And, and a lot of feeling that the togetherness seems to have dropped out a little bit. And you said we had we had Frank de Boer being booed at, at half time in his first game. Yeah, it was an awful performance. But that I, I talked on the show about not feeling that that was particularly typical of, of Palace. How do you view the, the the relationship between the club and the supporters these days? Um, well, I certainly from you know the. It gets tense, doesn't it? In a way that you know, it didn't before we were in the Premier League, and we and we kept our status. Um, it's, it's all the news around the Premier League and the floor, and we've all got something that we love. We love being in the Premier League, don't we? I know I see the other support. Oh, I used to enjoy it more in the Championship. I don't really believe them. Um, you know, we love being in the Premier League. It's it's a great league to be in. It's probably some of the best teams, some of the best players in the world come to Selhurst Park. And, we want to try and keep it. I mean, I think that makes people anxious, makes everybody anxious at times. We've got to try and get over it, to be honest, because I'll tell you, the, 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 nobody at the football club feels disconnected from the supporters. I mean, I know when things are going badly, everything becomes a problem. I, I even saw one thing with a supporter saying, oh, I care about things like the fan zone so I can make more money. I mean, it's, it's you know, that's the kind of thing I just think, really? I mean, the fan zone costs probably 350 400,000 to build and put in properly and I think well, I don't know, we might make a thousand pound out of the food sales on a good match day um, so we pay for it a bit of entertainment and you know we get a little bit more out of the club shop but I don't think we're disconnected from the fans the players aren't disconnected from the fans the players acutely feel like I do when we let the supporters down when we don't meet their expectations you know we 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 
we do. You know, I, I, I couldn't feel more connected to the supporter base most days. I mean, in the championship, it's a little bit abstract, really, because, you, you know, you don't cover the back pages of the sun and all the inside pages of the sun. You know, I mean, when we used to pitch change managers in the championship, we had, we were lucky if we had a paragraph anywhere. So, um, I think more than anything, we feel connected. Maybe, maybe that's more the thing, you know, we're not, you know, we're doing our best. We're not, we're not ashamed of what we're doing, but obviously we feel bad towards the fans and the players do, but we're not, I think that, that would irritate me more than anything to think that people don't think we care or that we're disconnected and, you know, it's just not right. Fair enough. Um, so this, this is a question we got from somebody who wanted to remain anonymous and they've asked regarding the management of youth loans at the club. They said that do you feel that the stance of wanting 100% of wages covered for development loans is hindering development of some of our younger players not ready for Premier League football? Not sure if that's something you're aware of or, or can, can comment on. Well, first of all, you know, presumably it is anonymous. I don't know whether it's somebody who's involved in youth football. But I mean, I, only only me and Mark Bright would know what we ask every club for. Um, historically, uh, sometimes we ask for more than full wage recovery, as you know, people ask us for when we loan players. You know, because um, we need to generate as much money as we can for the club. You know, the academy um, in the good clubs, as much as being a place to find players, is also a place to find players' jobs. You know, we need we've got a duty of care to the people in the academy. And we need to try and run it, you know, as a profitable endeavour as much as we can. Um, so we try and pay the players commensurate with the money that we should get for them if we put them out on loan with incentives that as they play in the, those leagues that their, that their wages appreciate. Um, so, and we try and also then when players are coming towards the end of their contract, we try and make sure we get a sell-on for the club if we give them a free transfer. So a number of players went out in the summer that were given a free transfer with a big sell-on for the club. So just in case um, that they, you know, we think that they might be successful in those leagues and they could get to a point where they're, they're worth some money and we've paid for the, their development often since they were eight years old. And obviously we don't just want to give players away and not get anything back for that. Equally, you know, when we put a player out on loan um, of... 17 or 18 we've had that player in the academy from 8, 9 years old been paying that player you know since he was 16 or 17 years old um, what we try and get is market value for the player that's what we try and get I mean it, it, we might make a decision well that's a better club for their development um, and we're trying to do more work on that so we'll take less money for that player but if we know the club can afford it I mean anybody can give anything away can't you I don't think it's bright is it nobody, nobody gives me a player for nothing nobody gave me a player for nothing or less money when I was in the championship you know unless unless that was the only thing that they could get for that player so you try and balance it out um, do I think it's hindering the development of players at the club not at all no I don't think so I think that we try and find the right club for the player and we try and be flexible within the realms of what we know people can afford to pay that's, that's fair enough. Uh, Joe, I think you got a quick question about the financial fair play. I was writing you a message, Chris, when we were talking. Right. Um, yeah, so um, Rob Sutherland, is that, the, is that the one we're No, on? no, no, that's not that one. I, I'm going to do it, Joe, in case this goes wrong. Uh, yeah. You've commented in the national media, Steve, 
that I can hear myself back. That you uh, you couldn't understand the the approach to financial fair play from much of our Premier League opposition. So can you uh, give us a rundown? Where where are we in terms of expenditure and yeah, wage cap? Got, I mean, that's got that's got a little bit. What I was talking about was yeah, kind of like some of the bigger teams and the money they're spending, which affects the market because they drag the market up, right? You know, if the most expensive house in the road was worth a million and it goes for three million, then it makes the next most expensive one in the minds of everybody more valuable, doesn't it? So, you know, the top of the market is being dragged up with such incredible numbers and given what amount you're allowed to lose in FFP, it seems impossible for those clubs to meet that. And FFP is a bit of a blunt instrument because, you know, it judges you over a period of time when you've already had the success and you've got the benefits of it. And I, and I just question FFP generally. You know, there's, you know, people are said to have paid too much money to get out of the championship and then there's no sanctions. I never heard anything about, you know, some of the cases that were meant to go on. My question was, does anyone care anymore? Because it doesn't seem to be that anybody ever gets sanctioned for it anyway. And, and if you're going to have a rule, there's two things you need. You need the rule and then you need the sanctions, the penalties, because if the penalty isn't anything, then there's no point having the rule or people are just going to break it. So I don't know what the internal workings are of every other football club, but it just seems that some of the money that people are spending or reported to spend on transfer fees and wages and, and what I would roughly know about the turnover of those clubs doesn't fit. Our problem is not really FFP. And in fact, it's the inverse, because FFP is designed to stop owners really putting excess money into a football club or subsidising the club. And actually, we are putting money in the subsidising club, not to the extent where FFP is a problem, I don't think, because we have to pursue that over three years, but I'm pretty sure we're, we're well in the clear of that. But we have a wage cap effectively in the Premier League, and um, that is sometimes an issue. So if you can't get rid of people off of the wage bill, luckily, the, when, when, and this is the, the thing that was misconstrued as well about the sponsorship, you know, where's all the sponsorship money? I mean, the share of the sponsorship money in the scheme of the TV money, you know, we've got a very good deal, probably seven takes a lift, but it's not massive. But what it does do is it allows you to put that on the wage bill. So any uplift in your commercial revenue, you can add to the wage bill. So that was when I said it really helps us with the squad because it doesn't help us much with transfer fees, but it helps us create room in the wage bill. Um, so we're pretty tight to it. We've been pretty tight to it for a couple of seasons and it, and it does have to be taken into account. And it's one of the things that often just makes... You know, I don't want to say this is all a lot more complicated than you think it is, but it is more complicated than people think it is. And there are other factors that go into deciding what we do and who we buy and, and, and who we can buy. And sometimes, you know, you do need to get rid of people off the wage bill, not necessarily because you want them to go or you don't think that they're players that can have something, but you just need to make a space in, 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 in the wage overall wage bill to get under the cap. Uh, fair play. OK, um, but do you... Th- I suppose my, my follow-up to that really is... Is the punishment that's out there for financial fair play, or whatever part of that is, is that actually a deterrent for these the super rich clubs, or indeed for any Premier League club? Is it that much of a deterrent? Are they going to lose points? You know. But it seems to me. It seems to me. It seems to me, and I don't know. But it seems to me that some clubs just invent turnover from somewhere. Don't don't feel like doing that yourself. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, if you're if you're if you're you know, if you're a state-owned club and you control pretty much every company in your state and then you want to, you know, because obviously it's all about the turnover you've got and not living beyond your means. And you can get, and, and suddenly there are massive sponsorship deals that arrive, you know, from all these companies that happen to be from where you are. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult for me to comprehend 
that all of those sponsorship deals would would otherwise have gone to those clubs in that case. It, yeah. Uh, what, what, yeah. What, what, what happens when clubs are in a group, right? What happens when clubs are in a group and that some of those clubs are outside the jurisdiction of FFP and they're making massive losses, those clubs that are part of a group? How is that analysed? I mean, is that too complicated? I mean, you know, effectively, are people parking losses at other clubs? actually are their losses yeah obviously we you know i i can only speculate you might know better than i do but um it, know, it does i'm just i'm just i'm just wondering how people spend the kind of money they spend knowing what the rules are and knowing what no i'm not in the room when they pass the test but presumably someone's checking whether they pass the test or not and then if people aren't passing the test what are the sanctions? Because I've never heard anybody, apart from Man City in the early days, and I think there's talk at the moment in the press, if it's believed, about PSG, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just feels like the transfer market's being dragged up by people that are spending money that I wonder, I just wonder whether, I just, it seems difficult for me to understand how they can justify that within the turnover that they get. But I don't know. It's not true. I mean, I just it just interests me. No, fair enough. No, I, was, I obviously just wanted wanted to address that that comment that you made. I think we've done that quite nicely. Hopefully, Gel is now ready this time to ask a question that he has. Yeah, <laughs> he's throwing me under the bus earlier. No um, well, you know, you know, we're we're massive fans of Dougie, and um, well, I am anyway. Um, and we really, you know, we interviewed him a while back, and. Uh, it went, you know, really, really well. It was really positive. Um, we've had many questions regarding the role he has been given. Can you tell us what that role entails, and why Dougie was chosen for the position? Well, you know, the role of sporting director, director of football, whatever you want to call it, is is one that people, you know, talk a lot about. You know, I see fans saying, "Why haven't we got one?" And it's like everything in every um, club or business or anything. You've got to get the right people, and. and um, I had a chat to Dougie a while back and he said that this was something he was thinking about that, you know, the short-termism of management and that sort of stuff has sort of lost its appeal a little bit for him and that he really wanted to be part of, of, of building a football club long-term, you know, and uh, creating all the pathways and doing all the long-term things. And I, I would definitely agree that that's something that we haven't been good enough at. And um, the reason is that basically we've, we've, we've had to put all the money into you know refurbishing the things that need refurbishing. I mean, I see people say that if you, and I will come back to the point, but I see people say that if you leave, you know, what will you have actually made better about this football club? You know, and unfortunately, I do understand that you know if we'd have built a lovely new main stand, you'd have a big physical manifestation. But you know, we've got two training grounds. We own one of them. Uh, we've got a scheme for the other one. Uh, we own the stadium. We didn't own the stadium. We've got under soil heating. The, the stadium's cable for Sky. We've got all of the things that you need to have a football stadium. There's new seats. Every lounge, pretty much, has been refurbished. Um, we've put in uh, things for disabled supporters that we never had before. So we've got loads more disabled seats and ambulance seats that we can offer to people. Um, the, t- the staff that we've got uh, within the academy, within the first team structure, the work that's been done at the training ground, the new medical centre we've got at the training ground. You know, I, the list is endless of things, incremental improvements that we've made um, to this football club that have all cost money. So really it's gone into that and the first team and, you know, money for architects and all that kind of thing because there are obviously plans to do things with the stadium if we can get through the planning issues and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and but sometimes you know because of the 25, 30 years of underinvestment, I mean, there's a crucial period really. You know, before I came to the football club, that was when there was a lot of investment going into a lot of football clubs, a lot of stadiums improved, training grounds improved, and we went backwards. We sold our stadium to a property developer. We sold our training ground to try and keep the club going. You know, I understand why those things happened, but that's a lot to kind of rectify. Um, I mean, the stadium was, people forget, you know, it was covering corrugated steel. It was, there were wires strung from everywhere on the stadium. It took us five years just to reconfigure all the cabling and the wires so that it's as clean and as well organised, you know, in, in that regard as it is now. There's an enormous amount of stuff that people don't see in infrastructure and money that's gone in to make the stadium safe. And unfortunately, that's meant that it's been difficult sometimes, you know, to buy that development play. You know, we put in bids for a lot of players and, and just not quite had the money sometimes to do it. Um, and, and we need to be smarter. The best period of recruitment for me was when I worked with Dougie at the club. <clears throat> and it's more of a challenge doing that in the Premier League. But I think we can definitely be smarter at it. And I think we can join up the academy better. Um, I think we've, honestly, I think there's a lot of work we need to do with our academy. No disrespect to any of the staff in there that work hard. Um, but there's things that we need to do there. We need to be a bit more ruthless about what we've got in the academy and what we're trying to achieve. Um, and I think that Dougie can do that. And um, I'm very, very much enjoying working with him. I feel that he's, he knows the club, he knows what we are, he knows the kind of players we've got, he knows Roy very well. And I think he can he can he can add value to that relationship. I thought when he came in when Frank was there that he could I really wanted him to try and help Frank um in the transfer market and get to grips with the league and be able to have football conversations with him about those kind of things. Um and he and he definitely did try and help. But I think long term to have somebody, you know, alongside me that can work on every aspect of the football side of the business. Um, new training ground, what we do, what we need, what we don't need, what medical staff we need, recovery, how we can look after the players better. You know, it's, it, it is often about what you don't need as much as what you do need. Yeah. So that you can make sure that you're using the money to the best effect everywhere. So it's all of those things, sporting director. So it enables the manager to concentrate pretty much on the first team affairs. Obviously, have an input into everything else. Most important people at the training ground at the football club are the manager. But to give them help and, and help build the infrastructure and help have some more forward planning, squad planning, do better recruitment, uh, get players at an earlier stage. And really, that is the academy now because it's getting so difficult. Any, any player that's exposed, if you go to the Premier League club to try and buy them, when I'm being exposed, they've played at any level. They've had any level of success anywhere. You know, even a few games now, if a player, you know, all of a sudden people want seven to ten million for them. So the academy is probably more important than it ever was I think when I first came into the game, you could shortcut the academy a little bit. You could buy players at 16, 17 for not a lot of money and get them into the first team quicker. Whereas now, you know, we really need to go back to that and we need to be make sure that we're putting the effort into players that can really make it. So um, I hear all this stuff about goals. We train at goals. You know, we've got a separate training ground. We've actually got two. So we've got, we've got the first team training ground for the first team in the 23s and we've got another training ground that we rent, which happens to be close to a, a goal soccer centre, but it isn't the goal soccer centre. It's just the, the pitches that happen to be near that. We spent a lot of money on the pitches, uh, but the infrastructure isn't right. We're working with the owner of that land. We, we've got two plans, one for there, one for Croydon, and we're working as hard as we can to try and improve that. But equally, we need to get the things 
right in and around the academy. We need to get the, the pathways clear for the players into the first team. And I think Dougie is somebody that can really help with all those things. And, and, and it started really well. And, I, and I'm, I'm enjoying working with him again. Well, that, that's good to hear that the academy is a big factor in that because many of us, myself included, really passionately believe that that we've, you know, as a Premier League club, first of all, we I do feel that we've got to have a Cat One Academy and we've got to be something something to be proud of because you know, you know, Palace, it's, it's always been about bringing through players from the area that we can be, you know, hugely proud of and that could go somewhere in the game. But a lot of people feel that, that that's been the case for a while. So good, good to address that. And um, you know, is there any kind of a timescale for that? And one of the things, by the way, that Frank, you know, every manager leaves a little legacy. Every manager that's at a club. And Frank was really positive about young players. That was one of the reasons that we wanted to, 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 to work with him. And, you know, he gave Levi's debut. Brought two or three players into the first team set up. Um, and difficult to get players into the Premier League. But maybe, you know, somewhere down the track in two or three years' time, you know, we'll be we'll we'll, we'll be thanking for his, his work he did. There. Not saying so he didn't do good other work, but there's a hidden side to it as well. And you know, we 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 all want to get players out of the academy into the first team, guys. You know, there's no why would we not want to do that? But equally, we want to stay in the division, and we've got to prioritise the money. And we we sometimes you have to move certain things faster and other things slower. But don't think there isn't work going on in it, or we haven't improved it. We have, and Dougie's a big part of the investment to take that forward. Uh, that's yeah, that's good to hear. I want to get into some uh, some sort of organisational stuff for the club. We've had loads of questions about this, and just to reiterate to those who are joining us late, we've obviously we've talked about the uh, the, the decision to to lose Frank de Boer as manager. We've talked about the transfer window and, and Dougie's role now, but we're now looking at um, we had a multitude of questions, and they've all been amalgamated into into a, a handful to try and make it easier to cover. And the first of those relates to your main investors. Uh, co-investors, co-owners, if you like, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. And we've talked about this before, I think, on the show, but for the benefit of those who don't know, and there seems to be a lot with the questions that we've had, is, you know, what what is the decision-making making process at, that happens at board level at Palace? Well, I mean, we're partners in the business. So, um, obviously, I'm at the sharp end, and... That means that, you know, I get more say. Um, they're there to help and support and guide as much as they can. Um, and, but obviously, if there's something that they really don't want to do, we don't do it. Um, if there's something they really do want to do, you know, sometimes we do do it. So um, it, 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 the, the, the facts are that the three of us control the club. Um, the reality is obviously that I, I have more say because I'm at the sharp end and I, I, I'm involved in all the day-to-day issues and um, they take my advice and, and, and my direction and they don't want to micromanage and be involved in every decision. Do you, if you follow, this again, I don't want this to be too much of a loaded question, but if you follow our fortunes pretty much since they made their investment, they arguably... You, you, people will feel that that investment's had a detrimental effect on the club. So, from your perspective, how can you how do you address that? Because I'm really talking about results and, and and sort of stability, but you'll know more about off the pitch and behind the scenes with that investment. So, how do you address that as a as a point to be made? Um, I think it's something to look back on afterwards and not now. I mean, I wonder sometimes if 
you know, I, I've always been a believer of not having enough money, that necessity is the mother of invention. And m- maybe, you know, when we, you know, we kind of all of a sudden breathe, sort of breathe a collective sigh of relief, you know, and maybe looking back, when we look back on it in years' time, maybe there were some decisions. I don't know, but you can't say that, that we, as it happens, we were fifth in the league, you know, um, uh, when they arrived. And then we went, on a, we went on a really bad run, but we also got to a cup final for the second time in history. Um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to do their best. They're trying to do their best. I'm trying to do my best. I, I think it's more of a coincidence. Um, but maybe when we look back on it, you know, m- maybe something, the dynamic maybe changed because we, maybe everybody relaxed a little bit because we, we, we felt, you know, for the first time in maybe 30 years, this club was absolutely definitely financially secure. I mean, I don't think Stevie, Mike, Joe and I financially would have ever let the, the club go into administration, you know, insofar as we possibly could. But there's even less of a chance with the financial debt that we've got now. But m- maybe there was a, I don't know. But I, I can't honestly say to you, oh, well, this happened or that happened or something, you know. Um, and I don't think that really, when you look at it, have we, have we done worse? What have we done? We've stayed in the league longer than any time in history. We got to a cup final. And we finished in the league roughly around the place we finished in the league before they came. Yeah, it's definitely just it just kind of I'd like to say it maybe maybe it's just horrible. I think timing. it makes people feel worse. They get all xenophobic, yeah. don't they, about you know Americans and Chinese and you know and all kind of desperately you know. In the end of the day, you've got people that own football clubs that care and want to do their best for the football club. And and I can tell you now, David and Josh care and they want to do their best for the football club. Um, and they want to help me as much as they can, and they want to help the managers, they want to help the players as much as they can. And they're super nice people, and they're a super pleasure to work with. And I can't honestly think that we really have done worse. I mean, if anybody thought that we were going to stay fifth in the league when they arrived, I don't, you know, I don't think that was necessarily going to be the case, was it? Um, but the <laughs> is, we, 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 we went to a cup final from when they came. I don't think we played the first round when they arrived. So... Um, you know, I think realistically we've done pretty well. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I still, I mean, you can't help but feel, even when you, you talk about the cup final, you you look at things like that as a missed opportunity. And of course, you as a, as a fan, you will always look at decisions that were made. And, and just because a, de- a decision was made and you didn't get the result you want, your natural reaction is to say if a different decision was made, you would have got what you want. But I know that's that's not always true. But I think there's a bit of that about, you know, in terms of, of how no, we've done Everybody's since. got a degree in hindsight, haven't they? You know, everybody's got a reverse crystal ball. That you know, at the end of the day, you can't honestly say to me that you know, going equalising when we were one down against um, 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 when we were one up against Man United. That you know, with eight minutes to go, that at that point somehow, the fact that we now had American co-owners influence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's a stretch. We were eight minutes away from winning the cup final when they were here. So yeah. how can you? How can we actually possibly say that it's got worse in when we'd only been there twice in our history and we stayed in the league? What? what so they arrived uh, when in, it, we were fifth in the league under Allen. So we stayed in the league another twice, haven't we? We have, yeah. yeah. But I think, so, I think, again, it, I mean, I know from from doing this show every week because it, it it definitely feels longer between those those shows where we're talking about a win and when we get to be nice and you know super positive about stuff 
you know, well, uh, Alan did have. I mean, Alan did have an incredible win record for a while, didn't he? Like incredible win record. So we packed a load of wins into the. Um, I mean, we have become a bit of a streaky club um, in terms of our wins. Um, well, let's say we get another streak in the other direction as soon as possible, eh? Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. Of course, that's what we want, you know. But no, listen, I, I, I think the, the only thing is, did, did I relax a little bit? I don't, did anybody, I don't know. I don't, I really don't see anything. I don't actually see anything physically that, that, that's worse. You know, we've stayed in the division. Yes, right now, it looks bad. But of course, that could have happened anyway. We could have been worse, couldn't it? We might not even be in the division anymore if they weren't here. We, we certainly in January, I'm telling you now, you know, I don't think it would have been as likely that, that and I don't think I'm being unfair that me, Martin and Jeremy would have, would have put in the kind of money that me, Josh, David and, and everybody else a little bit put in in, in January to, to get out, you know, help get out of the problem, help Sam do his thing and get us out of the problem. So, um I don't. I, I think that you've got to look at it the other way as well. You know, where might we be if they weren't here? That's a f- fair question to ask. Definitely. Um, similarly, on the organisational side of things, there's been a lot of talk about the sort of player and staff recruitment process. And again, we have talked about that in the past. But when people look at signings like Mamadou Sacco and look at the fact that the managers changed in between that, I'd, I'd, I'd like to... Can we get your views on, on how player recruitment is being managed at Palace, first and foremost? What we do... I can't say that because somebody reported this fact. We, we scour the internet for the fans' point of view and we try and bolt that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exclusive. Um, that somebody will write that as a fact. I'm telling you, they will. Um, we look. We, we we identify what it is that we need, and then we try and find the players to fill those gaps. Um, so you know, that that's what we try and do. And and we've got a scouting department. We know all the players. We try to find players that are available. You know. Do. Uh, I, I, do well. Let's 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 ask the question direct. We've been asked it direct by by many of the supporters. Do you get involved in first team matters, and have any managers had any problems with that? Do I get involved with first team matters? Well, I mean, do I get involved? If I don't, who does then? Who would? What should I do? What, what should a chairman do? Just literally sit at home and say. You know, this is the amount of money you've got to spend. Go and spend it. I think because I get blamed for every bad transfer by the supporters. So I, you can't have it both ways either. I'm not allowed to be involved in them at all in your in this view as far as, or I buy every player that's bad. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's a collaborative system, isn't it? You know, we try to get the players that the manager wants, but we also have to have debates with the manager about the money that's available. And if you get that one, you might not be able to get that one and this one and that one. And obviously, we all know things about the players. You know, it's, it's, you, you can't not be involved. I mean, do, do, you can't blame me for every failure and not credit me for every... If you think I'm buying all the players, then you've got to credit me with all the successes as well, haven't you? I think, I I think that's... Because I don't remember ever getting credited with any of the successes of the players we signed, ever. Not one person ever says, well, thank God Steve signed Yannick Balassi. And we, we bought him for 350 grand and we sold him for 25 million. Wasn't it great when it Steve signed Glenn Murray or Damien Delaney? Or wasn't it great when he re signed Wilfred Zaha? Wasn't it fantastic when Steve signed 
I either sign all the players and I interfere, or I don't interfere. So I, you either got me the credit for all of them, and bl- or, or uh, and blame me for the bad ones, or don't blame me for the bad ones. Don't give me any credit for the good ones. The fact of the matter is, we work together at the football club to try and build a long-term, sustainable football club. And um, we work with the head of recruitment and the manager at the time, and now very, very importantly, obviously, with Dougie. And we try and bring in the players that will help us, and we try and make the best compromises, because that's what buying players is all about at the end, because no one, pretty much, has got unlimited funds. Even if their only constraint is FFP, you can't just spend any amount of money. So... Obviously, the squad match. What positions players can double up on? I mean, let me ask you another question. Do you think a manager doesn't ever ask me what I think? Um, I, I well, I, I presume not from the the way the questions answered. But you know, I, I potentially would throw back you as a manager ever had any problem with with your involvement. Don't know. Have to ask them. That's that's a fair point. I you know I, I was wondering if it caused any kind of a conflict previously, but not that you're aware. Why, of, I, I mean, why why have we only got one striker? Why have we only? Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Always when it's bad. Yeah. Nobody ever. I never come on a phone and show and I go. What was it that made you overall a manager and buy so and so or buy so and so? I only apparently overall the manager get involved in first team affairs when it's bad. <laughs> that's a fair point. Well, so yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, no, no one's gonna gonna start questioning who did what when when we signed. No, no, no. I think it's a fair point, isn't it? For any chairman, yeah. you know, for any chairman, whether it's whether it's Daniel or whether it's Bill Kenwright or whether it's any of us, you know, you're you're in there every day working as much as you can and helping the manager of the time as much as you can, you know, to to further the football club. I mean, you can't you possibly sit and work in a room with somebody to a common goal and not be involved in it, is it? You're involved in that process. Of course, you want to be careful and you want to make sure that the manager, the manager's got the vision. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask him for it. You know, what is the vision? Where's that player going to play? Don't you think, oh, maybe, you know, we've only got one left back, we've only got this, we've only got that. Those kind of conversations might come up. And neither, by the way, am I saying that I'm the one who highlights everything and that all the mistakes are down to the manager and all the good things are down to me. You know, the fact is it's a collective responsibility. And So, um, so what was the collective view regarding the, the the striker situation then because because obviously that's something we do keep coming back to well, and it is because view, there wasn't really a collective view on that one there was there was a different school of thought about how it could be approached you know and and and, and maybe that was something but i'll tell you now that what we ended up with was not me overruling anybody no, just obviously, we're still getting a lot of tweets in live, and a lot of people going, "Well, how all this aside, how can you still go into a Premier League season with one striker?" So people seem to to certainly not be able to let that point go. And, uh, well, they're going to have to let it go. Yeah, they've got one striker, so you know, and and you know, the, we are where we are, and unfortunately, you know, we don't live in a perfect world, and um, manager didn't work out. We've got one striker or one recognised striker. Um, and we're going to have to make do with that till January. And I think what we've got in the squad is still good enough to not be bottom of the table. You know, I think that we've got other attributes and other things we've spent money on that, that, that can help us. I personally, the only thing I would say is I personally wouldn't have let Fraser go. That's the only personal uh, thing that I wish that I had overruled somebody on. And did, I he ask, did he ask to leave? Fraser. 
we, it was out of contract, so we, we had to re-sign him or not. So he didn't, he didn't want to leave, no. He was perfectly happy to stay. Okay, okay. Talking about interference, um, you've seen John Salako's comments on Twitter. Your response to those? I did see some of them. I mean, I'm disappointed in John, to be honest. I really am. You know, I like him as a person. I spent a lot of time. I'm very disappointed in him. You know, he's still talking about specifics there. I mean, I saw one, somebody highlighted to me, you know, we bid the same amount of money for Simon Miller's Domain Defoe when he went there. And, um, but they did the outer door swap with the club um, and that suited everybody. And, and, and Jermaine, like Gus, who was manager at the time, he, you know, he'd worked with him before. So, you know, John would never have been close to one of those conversations. I never remember him mentioning that. Um, I think it's a bit disrespectful to our players to say that our players aren't good enough. And I think it's a bit, you know, I do remember John being an integral part of the first team system when we weren't having the best results in the world. Um, so it's, you know, people in glass houses really, you know, I don't really think it's constructive from somebody inside the game and at a moment where, you know, we're in a difficult moment, I would have expected a bit more understanding, a bit more support from someone like that. So it's disappointing. Fair enough. Um, I do want to quickly jump back to, to pre-season. I've, I personally felt, as in many listeners who got in touch, our pre-season plans had a sort of distinct lack of first-team games. And I, and I did feel that on the opening day against Huddersfield, we did look some way sort of short of them of being ready. So how was that put together? And did it suffer because, you know, we took a while to appoint the manager? Not really. I mean, you can always get a game, pretty much. Um, we put, you know, the games are put together by people at the training round. You know, they ask the commercial department, can we have a game here, can we have a game there? Um, we did have one dropout in Ireland, didn't we? Yeah. That was, you know, linked to Sam. I think they wanted Sam there for some reason. They had some kind of relationship with him. Um, and obviously the tour. Um, but we, we had some decent games, I thought. Didn't we? You know, I think someone, someone, I think someone pointed to me that we had, I think three or three or four. Where, and again, this team selection came into to discussion, but that's obviously down to the manager. But, but I think Huddersfield had eight first team games as opposed to our four. I think it was. So again, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Did you feel we looked ready on the start of the season? Yeah, I mean, look, um, difficult one, really, guys. You know, because you, you're talking about, you know, it's, it'd be easy for me to say I've become a bit of a supporter, don't I? If I say, uh, I, I, what, what are people, you know, again, involved in? Would I say now we could have done with more games? Maybe I would, you know. Would it would definitely create a better outcome if we'd have had more games? I mean, I think, personally, we played in Huddersfield's hands on the first day of the season. We did exactly what they wanted us to do. You know, we knew what they were going to do, and we did exactly what they would want us to do against them, in, in my view, and, you know, my personal view. That's, I don't think we lost to them because we didn't have enough games. I do think there's a debate in football at the moment about the role of sports science and their their ever-growing role, I mean, in in how much you can train. And, you know, it is noted that when when we're having days off, that other teams are not, you know, that that, that there seems to be a 
a vast difference in opinion of how hard you can train players and what is the point to get them to optimum fitness. You know, Huddersfield and, and Liverpool being at the like that end of the spectrum, you know, double sessions and training camps and no days off and or minimal days off. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's. I didn't organise a games program in the summer. You know, we get the games that the manager wants. Yeah. If we're involved at all, or the manager and the team of sports scientists organise the games. I, yeah. No, that's, Again, that's, that's, you know, you go from you go from saying, you know, have I ever all need to finish transfers, which is something that I obviously am involved in, you know, because you know you've got to control the money, to something that's a, that's a, that is really a, you know, I want to cop out of it, but. How involved do you want me to do? Do you want me to go down and manage the team? Do you know what I mean? You haven't had enough friendlies while you're not training this afternoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, we take interest Ron in Ron noticed it. <laughs> well, look, we, look, I'm joking. But there, there, but, but there you go again. Look, we take notice of those things. Do I have concerns about them? You know, but I'm not about to say, oh, yeah, we didn't train enough in the summer, therefore that's well, you know. There were lots of concerns about things, but that isn't because there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. You know, there's a different way of doing it, and every club's different. And every set of players are different. And I think that, you know, that you've got to manage a football team on the basis of doing the right things for the football team, the group of players you've got. So, did we have enough time to practice three at the back? Did, did enough players practice three at the back that were involved on the first day of the season? You know, did, did we have enough games? It's, it's, it's a legitimate question. But, you know, there, I'm not going to, you know, this is what I'm talking about the two and a half months you know we take it in the round the decision's been made we've got to move forward now and and worry about the future and, and for me just stop looking at the past because it's, it's the only point to look at the past if it learns lessons that help you succeed in the future and um, we will do that at the appropriate time right now we've just got to get out of the situation we're in well, I do have a handful of questions about the future coming up just before we let you go. And um, there's a couple of little miscellaneous questions to throw. We've got, we got a lot of silly questions, as you'd expect, Steve, because we've got quite a odd fan base. Um, but I've picked out two of my two of my favourites just to lighten the mood. Uh, from an anonymous person, uh, mainly because I've forgotten their name, they want to know how many blue suits you have, because that's been your colour this season. I've only really ever worn blue. Mm. I don't know what I really pretty much yeah I mean I did have a grey one didn't I wore for a while at the club you're right I probably did vary it more but I got that cup final suit and then they made me sort of six in various different blue colours like it so I've got a glut of blue <laughs> fair well, enough it's been picked up on just you know it now um, and the blue, final blue with a red tie also is us isn't it no. yeah of course yeah. yeah but I'm worried I'm more worried about some other really important stuff like, because obviously everybody knows that I'm not superstitious and I always moan to my mum for saying that she's doing certain things because that's when we win, when we do those things. But secretly, I've got certain pairs of lucky underpants and stuff like that that are the right blue and red and that normally have succeeded and they're letting me down quite badly at the moment. So I'm certainly trying to rethink some of the things I wear might try and affect results. I'll be honest with you, I was extremely happy we didn't win against Southampton because it meant I would have had to have crashed my car every single day we played a game. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's amazing the amount of people. If, if we go on much longer like this, there'll be nobody left in the ballroom because everybody that comes for the first time, if we lose, they're banished forever. So um, we, we've all got those crazy um, 
you know, superstitious, even though we tell ourselves and we know 100% that it doesn't make any difference. Um, I was remembering Dowie telling me that if he saw a magpie, is it? What, what is a bird that if you have to see two of them to be lucky? Yeah, that's a magpie, yeah, yeah. If he saw one, he would drive around for an hour, try and find a second one. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd convince himself that he... <laughs> I think it's all about what you want is you want, you know, you talk about the knack of games and all that. What we know in football is the process in some ways, is more, is more important than the outcome. Don't get that the wrong way. But you can't really control the outcome totally. You know, the teams that aren't as good beat teams that are better than them. That's what is the beauty of football. But you've got to get the process right. And the detail, attention to detail. And I think that's a little bit that nags away at football fans a lot. You know, that you want to make your preparation for the game right. I know it sounds crazy, but the fans do affect the team and the mentality of the fans affects the team. And every little, tiny little atom that's involved in our football club does affect everything and um, you know I remember I used to go for runs and when I got tired I used to think Milo Jednak doesn't get tired when it going gets tough he run, <laughs> runs harder you know and that you kind of you want to be a part of that mentality we all need to be a part of that belief system and that mentality and, and I think your routines uh, you kind of almost mimic the routines of the players and what they're going through and just tells you you're taking it seriously and uh, it's all kind of connected, I think, in a kind of in, in a weird sort of way. And um, I think that you know, do you miss him when you asked about who? Me, Jack I was a person, yeah, definitely. I mean, what a fantastic guy and somebody that helped me a lot, you know, in the difficult times. And um, of course, yeah, as a person, um, as a player, uh, it's, you know, the, the, the decisions made people wanted to have a change. I think that um, the deal was right. It was a good deal for him and a good deal for us. Um, yeah, I, I, of course, you know, there have been two or three players that, you know, have been were there from the early days. We went through some, you know, good times and some bad times. And of course, you, you know, you, you work together, you share the kind of experiences and the pain and the euphoria of getting out of it. So, and he was very, very influential, very influential at the, at the football club. And again, very important with all those little things, how we trained, you know, uh, the discipline of the players, all the stuff that often the other players police, you know, the, 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 as much as anybody else. So um, he was very, very important. And I think those standards are very, very important. And the, the, the blueprint, if you like, that Dougie and him and Damien and those kind of players laid down for us as a football club that create, you know, this sense of togetherness at the training ground, the sense of togetherness throughout the whole club, really, are, are what, you know, we must maintain. And if there's one lesson we've learnt over the last eight years constantly is that, you know, we have to fight and we have to be more than the sum of our parts. And when we're all together, we do okay. And when we get ahead of ourselves and we think that we're better than we are, you know, that's all of us collectively, um, we can come unstuck a little bit and that's probably the lesson that we've got to learn at the moment and I've got to learn and I've got to, I want us to get better but you know we've got to walk before we run and we've got to make sure that, that, that every decision is a, an incremental decision to make us slightly better maybe I'm guilty of us wanting to be of being impatient you know but I'm never going to apologise for it I'm never going to apologise that my intention was just to try and improve us as a football club as a footballing organisation um, as a community organisation, we've done loads of work with Palace for Life this year, which is a fantastic organisation with 40, 50 full-time people that's doing so much amazing work in the community. Um, so uh, we're just trying to make it better every day, but sometimes we, we, we possibly get out of ourselves.
Mm. That's fair enough. Uh, last uh, miscellaneous silly question is from Mummy White, who's the mother of our presenter Lucy White, and she says, "Does Brighty ever stop talking during games?" Drives me mad. <laughs> I, honestly, some days he drives me mad. Sometimes, obviously, I don't mind it when it's about the football, but he will just start telling me a story sometimes. Only <laughs> 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 ninety minutes, um, but look, he's brilliant because. Um, since I came into the game, um, he's been so generous with his time. You know, there's so many people in football that just want something. And um, Mark's been coaching kids at our academy since he gave up playing for no money for years before I arrived at the club. Comes to me home and away, uh, you know, paid for his own transport, never got a penny. Obviously, we got him involved in some things with the academy and he helps out. Um on match days now a little bit with, with, with the sponsors and things like that and he goes and monitors the academy players when they're out on loan and makes sure that somebody knows they're watching them know, make sure that their digs are alright make sure that you know they get a report back of what, have, how we think they're doing you know and all that kind of stuff and helps with the contracts and helps with getting them out on loan to the right clubs um, but you know for four years five years um, he, he was just my friend who gave me fantastic insights into football always in a positive way Never negative about any player, any manager. Always positive about how we can do better. Um, uh, part of the infamous car park meeting at Bristol City, you know, that everybody attributes with, with, with setting us on our way. So, um, just, you know, in my view, you go up, I mean, and this is not, you know, just because he's my friend. You'd be hard to find a more positive, decent person uh, in football. Everybody will tell you that in football. And somebody who loves the club, uh, to the extent that he will give loads of his personal time to support anything and anybody to do with the club. Um, so, um, yeah, but he does go on a bit sometimes. <laughs> Imagine the both of us when we're telling stories. <laughs> yeah. I think if we ever got you both on the show at the same time, we've had you both separately and, um, yeah, I think at the same time it'd be a four or five hour show and I think we could probably take a break for most of it. So um, maybe we'll do that. <laughs> the future yeah. um, we've got some uh, last last bit for you Steve you've given us plenty of your time and appreciate that but so uh, we've got to talk about the future uh, Joe you're going to start us off here I think yeah any news about um, about the stadium yeah we've got again you know we've got a scheme we've just done another bit of work we have an architect's kind of um, pitch to see who's going to take it to the next level um, and the next stage is really to we work with planning consultants to see exactly what the planning is that we think we might be able to get. It's a difficult site, um, but it's moved forward. We've got some better drawings. I had all the pictures actually in the boardroom and I was desperate to make sure nobody left on the side there um, because we just got to make sure that we want to do it. I do think sometimes, you know, it, 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 it doesn't go on hold, but obviously when you have those difficult moments and you're not sure if you're going to, stay in the league there are other priorities um, that get more time um, and we've got to try and make sure this season you know we do focus on it a thousand percent but we've got somebody full-time employed for the last six seven months and that's made a big difference and you can see the difference already the guy was involved in the fan zone making sure that was done properly and it's 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 a you know whatever you think of it I think it's fantastic and the two and a half thousand people that go there most of us think it's fantastic but, you know, the way it's been built is very professional and um, very safe um, for people. So um, he's an excellent addition 
And so having somebody full-time means that hopefully those dips where, you know, maybe I'm, you know, the odd day here that I'm preoccupied with something else that's gone to the top of the agenda, that guy is keeping it going and keeping it all on an even keel. So, you know, I definitely hope that we'll be able to show something soon. Is it is it just going to be for the the main stand first to 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 get that up and running so we can boost the income for you know for the match days and stuff or is it or is it is it an entire are we going to completely go for it? It's clever, I think. The, what, what, what the people we've worked with have been really smart. So um, it, you know, it's designed to increase the capacity as much as possible, so we can keep the general admission as low as price as low as possible but also find ways of subsidising that, you know, better areas for sponsors and things like that. So, you know, that will probably be twisted that all we care about sponsors and, you know, it's, of course it's not. You know, we want a better general admission and we want to, as much as possible, try and, you know, we're competing with clubs that have huge match day income, some clubs, and we can get a piece of that in London um, and equally we can try and hold our prices as much as possible on general admission because um, we, we, we want that to be the case. So, the main stand would be the first thing. And then the afterweight, actually, we saw, we did a bit, a lot of work on that this week and we worked on, um, we worked on a, quite an interesting thing that might work for the afterweight. Um, the challenge is we don't want to shut a stand. We want to try and keep the whole ground open while we do it um, so that we don't have that terrible thing that we had in the, when was it? In, That 93, 94, we got relegated over that year, I think. You know, although with our home form, you know, it, it, maybe it wouldn't make as much of a difference now, but then obviously the home form was, was extremely important. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so uh, to take us on from that and towards the end, um, I'll skip a couple of things, but I really want to get into uh, to January. Um, Obviously, we we with the deal dropping, well, and, and the loan deal for the keeper, I believe, if if that was the case as well, that the, the deal dropping for the striker, there must presumably be a bit of money to spend in January. Uh, Going to be a difficult market as it always is in that transfer, and probably the worst ever, I suspect. But at which point are you are you working with Roy to nail down those targets to strengthen what we have? Uh, yeah, I mean, Roy's only this is Wednesday, so. Um, yeah. He's, he, you know, he's coming to grips with the squad that we've got, you know, and he'll work with the squad that we've got, and then he'll he'll can't make decisions about about things. So, um, Aggie and obviously him and Tim, our head of recruitment, will 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 work uh, on targets on what we need. Clearly, you know, we want to try and improve the striker situation. So, you know, the the the, the ideal would be that we get a striker that arrives. You know, the day the transfer window opens, if we can find the right person. Okay. For the Fair right play. And I think the the last question I'm going to leave you with, and it, it, you know, you've had some some what I would call very honest exchanges with some the fans on social so, media of late. I'm just, I'm, got, just reading, I'm just reading a little bit of your online thing. So apparently, let's, let's just check this. You haven't asked me difficult enough questions. Apparently not. And, no. and the the biggest revelation is, and I love this kind of soundbite thing. Is that I said I wanted to keep Fraser. So, wow, a striker isn't even championship standing when it comes to the Premier League squad. It's a squad games game. You need soldiers, right? You need people that can do a job. And I think you need three fit strikers. Now, Fraser um, was troubled by injuries, definitely. But um, given where we were last year, for example, when he came on against Hull and he scored the equaliser and other games where he came on and he made a big difference, 
when we were winning or we were holding on to a draw. Um, and we know what a good lad he was and how good he was in training. And I think sometimes players do have loves. Um, and it's not always about, you know, for a striker, the goals that they score, but what they facilitate for other players. And um, I don't saying that we should have kept Fraser and not signed anybody else. I'm just saying that, you know, if we'd have had a new striker and Fraser, three fit strikers at the club with Connor coming back, we would have been in, in, in a better state. You know, it's easy to say, oh, that one's not good enough, that one's let go, let him go, let him go. You know, Fraser was essentially, you know, just because he extended his contract. Now, I'll tell you now, just to get to get somebody like Fraser Campbell in this market that can do that job, um, you're talking about eight, nine million quid, minimum, minimum. I mean, you could maybe buy, you know, a striker that's coming towards the end of his career, you could maybe get for three, four million, you know, but you've got to spread to make the money work. And this is where, you know, I, I don't know if it's worth trying to explain these things to people, but, you know, just listen to Paris, like I was said, no revelations. However, when asked about the strike situation, after blah, 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 well, my regret is that we let Fraser go, let that sink in for a minute, I'm going to bed. So that's, I mean, that's, for me, that's equally incredible that you can't look beyond. It's a 24-25 man squad game, right? I mean, I, I personally think Martin Kelly has done a fantastic job for this football club. I see people maligning him online. Last year, the last 12 games of the season, we played Liverpool, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea. I think, I think he played in at least two of those. And we beat him, and, and, and he was part of a team. If we hadn't had him at the club, often we'd have been playing with no left-back because he filled in at left-back, um, filled in at right-back and did a fantastic job for us at centre-back. And yet I've seen hundreds and hundreds of things. Now, every squad in the Premier League can look at the, the squad that they've got and say, well, he's not good enough. Or, you know, but that, only if you can go and definitely get better. And definitely get better push that player that's maybe your first change down to not being needed at all. Because, of course, we could have gone and bought another striker and they could have got instantly injured. And then yeah. we've been in exactly the same situation as we are now. So, you know, there's a lot, there's more that goes into this than just, oh, I've decided that player's not good enough. You know, every player, every squad runs with players that arguably aren't a starter for a Premier League side but can do a fantastic job for you when called upon. Don't cause a problem in the squad. Train hard. You've got to play 11 v 11 often at training. What was the other 11? Are they going to give the first 11 a test? You know, so there's, there's, to say that, oh, that's ridiculous, that he would have kept a championship player is an insult to a player that did fantastically well for us when he was asked upon, didn't have the best track record with injuries, and a player that was everybody inside the club fought a fantastic amount of and got us goals. You know, I mean, frankly, you know, if we'd have stayed up by one point, I'd have paid him the money that we paid him every week just to score that goal at home. Yeah. It was, and if I could be a third striker as opposed to going out and spending, you know, seven, eight million quid on a risk on somebody that you got, you don't know is going to even be as good. Just, just as what you said, you, you, you're sitting here and you're reading Twitter as, as we're talking as well. No, I was as, reading your site. Oh, okay. But what? But what we're doing? So this might sound a silly question. Have you ever looked at Twitter and gone, "Oh yeah," and and done something and it's worked? Well, the problem is in football. You know, you 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 can you can. I think when we first got here, and generally people's views were positive, would find a solution, then it kind of did help. You know, because you get people. 
you'd be thinking that's probably the right thing to do. And then there's kind of a big weight of opinion that it's the right thing to do. Uh, but it, also, listen, I wouldn't have hired to say Julius Wood if I'd have listened to everybody. Maybe I wouldn't have hired Sam Allardyce if I'd have listened to everybody. I might not have signed Alan Perdue. You know, you can find 50% of people that think I should be in a few of every transfer. 50% of people think that I should never say anything about it. 50% of people think this player's great. 50% of people think he's the worst player I've ever seen in the world. You know, 50% of people think that we should have hired this manager. 50% of people think we shouldn't, you know. And, and unfortunately, where we are right now, the negative people are out in force. You know, that's kind of developed over the last couple of years. I don't believe that it's reflective of our fan base. It's not the fans that I meet on the street. It's not the fans that I meet at the stadium. It's not the general feeling that I get. You know, it's, it's a group of people based around... I mean, the people that run some of the forums have left them. Steve Browett and me used to post regularly on some of the forums. We've left them because it's just... It's not constructive. There's no solutions... There's not really, you know, I should have bought a load of strikers. Well, who should I have bought for how much money and how would I fund it outside of the other things I want to do? You know, they're not, they're just going to spend a load of money. You missed it up. It was a rubbish transfer window. You bought it, tried to do everything too late. But if we, if, if, if whenever we do well, even when we do well, I don't see people going, oh, well done for signing Christian 17 goals last season. You know, because again, it comes back to the thing, I only interfere apparently when it goes wrong. And I, I, so it's got to a point where you can't, I kind of have to shut it out because all you can find is negativity in everything. And I can't, I, I don't have that luxury of sitting at home and just being negative. I have to help people find solutions at the football club. And I have to work with the people in the football club to try and stay positive. We all have to try and keep moving forward and the confidence of the players positive. So I'd like to tell you that that happens. In the early days, it did. But it's, I don't know. I don't know, you know, who these people are that feel that, you know, they've got all the answers to everything. And if only they were in charge of the football club, we'd be winning the league every year. And that, you know, every bad decision is definitely down to me and every good decision is the obvious thing that they would have done. Well, there, I mean, there is there is a question that we get asked as well. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the negative, you know, the negativity surrounding yourself, um, a lot of people have asked us, is, are we a selling club, as in, is the club up for sale? Would you sell your part? Would the Americans sell their part? Would they sell, you know, is, is the club for sale? It's, it's an awkward question, I know. Do you think it, well, I don't know, do you think it's for sale? What, what might, what well, 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 every, every, everything's got a price, isn't it? That's the, that's the thing. But, but again, I remember you saying years ago that you would only sell to the right person if, if the right person you thought was the right person come along. So, but I mean, just the amount of crap that you take and the, you know... Oh, what are you the, saying? Do I feel like packing it in? Well, sometimes. Sometimes, I mean... I don't really... But it's, I it's, don't it's, really... But so I don't really... Like I mean, but you only take crap if, 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 if you choose to listen to all the negativity, don't you? You only take it if you want to turn on Twitter and self-flagellate, you know, and, and, and wear sackcloth and ashes and make yourself feel bad about yourself. You know, I couldn't feel any worse. When we lose games, what do you think? I come home and have a party when we lost five games, eight nil. <laughs> you know, I no, mean, unfortunately, I, I know unfortunately, you live you you live this game far beyond. You know, it's it's not a nine to five job, is it? It's it, you know, it's a passion. So I understand where you're coming from because you're a fan as well. But but what I'm saying is, you know, if the club was for sale, if someone come along, but you need to understand that those people are not that they they might think they are. 
But those people are not indicative of the Palace fan base. Because for every person on there that moans, I get messages of support, texts, instant messages, private messages. You know, I'm not... Do you think, honestly, sit there and think that, oh, you know, because we're where we are, I'm going to allow the last seven or eight years of what we've achieved. You know, you say there's so much negativity surrounding me. That's not what I feel when I go to matches. That's not what I feel when I talk to Palace fans, when Palace fans come up to me. Yeah, I understand. I've I've made every decision. I've made pretty much every decision (coughs) in this football club from day one. I went walking through the door. I've worked pretty much full-time and beyond full-time for the football club for seven, eight years. So I find my own balance in my head about what I think I've done and where I think I've got to. Am I happy with where we are now? No, I'm not. Do I wish I'd achieved more? Absolutely, because there's no, no one's a worse critic of themselves than me. But do I think that I'm going to about to be thrown off course by half-truths, vitriol, people that, you know, know 1% of the facts, people that are completely irrational in their criticism, i.e., all the bad decisions are about me, all the good decisions are about somebody else. And, of course, I've got the balance of knowing that everybody gets it pretty much at every football club. I, I actually don't think anybody... The thing is, I think it's part of the pantomime. You know, part of football, it's, it's an entertainment, isn't it? It's an entertainment that's incredibly important to people and it forms part of their lives. You know, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an entertainment and part of it is... Ooh, <laughs> yeah, but it is. You know what I mean? and, at, and at the moment, at the moment, you know, they, you are seen as the pantomime. You know, the the, the you know. well, the Twitter pantomime villain, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fair, it's fair yeah. to you know, it's fair to give it context as well because you know, from from the moment we announced you'd been on the sh- you'd be on the show, um, pretty much for the last. Was it must be five hours or so? Oh, All yeah, I've been, questions. you know, there's been regular people telling me that I'm, I'm definitely not going to ask the difficult questions. But you know, it's before something's even happened. I don't I just, know. What I can see. You know, know, I don't know what difficult question you haven't asked me. I, I don't you either. Know, I mean, but, of course, it's difficult. Do do I want to go into? Do I think it helps the football club? You know, if we have a big in-depth discussion about exactly what went wrong in the summer, you know, and exactly, you know, everybody's got their own perspective. As a football club, we got it wrong. As a chairman of the football club, I got it wrong. Because I can't go four games in and, then, and not have a manager and not admit that I'm part of what got it wrong. I don't know what people want me to say. You know, I can't, you know they honestly say we want to write off the last seven years and that because of the situation with what, what, what happened this summer and where we are now, that we should change everything. I'm going to see people, it's time to go now. You know, it's, it's kind of an Alan Kirby moment if you're not careful, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Well, you have to ask what the alternative is, don't you? If you're going to say that sort of thing, what what is the alternative? You know, and I'd be well, interested to hear mean, what people think. Of course, they probably think they should run it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, you know, we 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 accept that when things don't go well, that you know. It, it, it's kind of changing football, isn't it, a little bit, you know, because there's this, I don't know, there's this kind of obsession that people want to know who's to blame. And um, it, it's also changed. I don't know. People never used to, I mean, 
Championship football club for years and changed manager after manager after. I think because we were a relegation threatened club, I think it puts a different complexion on it. I do. But again, I think football fans think that. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I, I just think if generally I'm an unpopular chairman. If that's what you're kind of saying, then wow, what have you got to do to be popular? <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Like wow. Yeah. I mean, what have you got to do? Achieve at a football club. Well, every chairman gets yeah. it. I don't know. Abramovich gets cane because because he doesn't do this and don't. But so, so you, you're on a, a loser from from the start. But I think what it is equally is that you have so much contact with the fans that when they ask a question, no matter what it is, they almost think that they're due an answer. So it's you know. It, well, it's, I can't win with that though, can I? I mean, you know, I can't win with that really. No, I know you. Can, I know you can't win. But I mean, if I don't doing... go on, if I don't, if I don't do, I don't do. You know, I felt when I when it arrived that we need to get some positive column inches for the club, and um, I, I, I thought I could help do that. You know, the whole reason I created CPSC 2010 was I wanted to subordinate the personality element of it. I felt that the club had been a vehicle for, you know, had been associated with the owner um, too much, and that it was more important that the club was the star. You know, and and that's what we tried to do, and then. You know, we, we we try and get some interest in the club, in the championship, and talk to people about a new era, and go and talk to people about that, and interview people about the club, which I think worked well. And then you kind of get a backlash to it, so you don't do it. But I only put other people on to talk about the club, and I don't think they talk about it as well sometimes as the people that we would put up. Um, so everything's, you know, nothing's perfect, is it? And then if you, if you do anything, you get told, oh, you know, you're just caught in media for. No, listen, if I wanted to court media, there's, there's, there's a million things that I could do. You know, outside of Palace, you know, I could go on the radio and talk about all sorts of stuff. You get all sorts of invitations to do everything outside of the football. Um, and, you know, I don't do them. You know, everybody at the football club puts a lot of things on hold for the good of the football club. I'm not crying into my beer about it, but I'm just saying you'll never, ever get that right, will you? I go with the majority of people that I meet, not the keyboard warriors, you know, a lot of which are, you know, listen, 16, 17-year-old kids are entitled to their opinion as much as a 40-year-old guy is. But, I mean, you know, you had a certain way of dealing with things when you were that age and probably you only ever remember us being in the Premier League. I get it. You know, and you don't know what went before or, or whatever. We've got no, to call it, not back. But, no, exactly. But those, those people never can. They never will understand what, what you're doing sort of day in, day out. And, and it, should, it really shouldn't. And if I don't be talk the case. To them, I mean, it's like when we lost. I said, come on, then I'm on Twitter, we lost. We're losing, we're doing badly. You all tell me I don't come on here when we're doing badly. And when I do go on there when we're doing well, I only really tweet a picture of us and congratulate somebody. I mean, clearly, you know, you don't particularly feel like much the night that you lose. Um, so, but you know, I went on there, you know, and I challenged a few people on their views and try to give them some comfort and try to make people understand how much everybody cares and what we're trying to do. But, you know, you're pretty much damned if you do and damned if you don't to do with anything in football. Yeah. You know, well, let's... really, I mean, we've got to blank it out and just get on with our jobs and exactly. do the best thing we can for the football club. And, and for the vast majority of Palace fans that I think enjoy most of the time that, that, that we're here, you know, and, and try and support as much as they can, me, and and uh, think so. I don't worry about all that stuff because it's not the view that I get from most people. 
So what is if, if we're going to end on something? We're going to end on a on a message, I suppose. A uh, you know a sort of you know I don't, you don't after probably an hour and <laughs> hour and forty five minutes, it's a bit like we can't really do a rallying cry because you're probably as tired as I am. But I you know I'm, for those people, for those people that stick with the club and always will do, and as you say, that is the vast majority. You know, what's what's the overriding message? Well, we're in a difficult moment, and we've you know I mean it's all very trite, isn't it? But you know, we know. Let's not leave it till Middlesbrough like we did last year. You know, we've got to try and get ourselves out of the situation. And it's not going to be five minutes. You know, we've got 33 games, is it, to go? So, it's going to be a long hard season, this, by the look of it. And um, hopefully we get Wilfred back soon and we get Mamadou back. And then in the meantime, you know, we've got some tough games. But it gives Roy and Ray and Stephen time to start really, you know, getting their methods and their ideas into the players. Um, so, you know, we've, of course, we've all got to stay positive as much as we possibly can. We've certainly got to forget people are bogged down, you know, with the decisions that have been made that they think have now irrefutably led to failure. Um, I think it's a little bit early for that. I don't have the luxury of giving up if other people want to give up and not come. And you know, some of the things that I've seen, no, no nobody likes the kind of records, you know, we've set a record for the most losses and all that, but no one likes that. But in the end, the only thing that matters is where we are at the end of the season. Thankfully. And we've, we've got to try and get ourselves out of it. And we're all going to work hard. The players are going to work hard. And as much positivity as people feel they can give is a massive, massive, massive help. Um, and um, that's all people have got to think of. You know, the more positive they are, you know, maybe think of that. Maybe think when you're tweeting something, you know, come up with a positive idea. You know, seeing this striker, I think he's really good. You know, it'd be, be nice to talk to Palace fans about ways we can improve without always having to be on on, on Twitter, uh, you know, the starting point of, well, you know you made an absolute hash of this, but, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, again, I go back to just so many things around the football club in eight years that are massively improved. And... Um, I would take. I would have an argument with anybody who says that's not the case. Where this is a completely different place to it was when I walked in eight years ago. Um, you know, I always see this thing on some people say, "Yeah, I can't help like it, even though you know he's made mistakes." Listen, if you don't make anything, you'll never make a mistake, right? Success is a very bad teacher because it teaches smart people they can't fail, right? The only way you ever learn and grow, unfortunately is to make mistakes. You know, and any, anybody involved in any businessman or any sport will tell you that. Now, of course, you've got to try and make less of them than you make uh, successes because otherwise you'll be in a very big problem. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm just saying it's not constructive. It doesn't help anyone just to say, I told you so, or I would have done this, or I would have done that. You know, if people want to help their football club, if they really care, get constructive. You know, if people have got sensible questions, I'll try and answer them. You know, I'm not just, I don't want to argue with people. You know, if you make a oh, fair point, yeah, we should have done that, could have done that. This was the thinking there. We didn't think that. Often you're making the best compromise. As far as Roy and the players go, it's everyone's giving their best, guys. I mean, they really are. And um, if people want to blame me, that's a lot better than blaming them because I know they're trying a thousand percent. And I think if everybody sticks together, we can get out of this. I really do. Um, but the more fractious we get and the more negative we get, the harder it gets for everybody. 
Um, so that would be my message. You know, stick with us. We haven't done a bad job so far. Yes, we're having a difficult time. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, mistakes have been made. Um, but we've got to work through them. And if we work through them together, we might get out of it. And that's got to be everybody's aim. And if we don't, and if we don't, and if the worst happens, then we'll have to get out of that as well, won't we? Right. You know, football clubs have been going 118 years, right? And I love it, and you love it, and all the people that I know around me love it. And, and I hope, I hope that some of the people that do all the moaning genuinely love it and that they're not there just to cause problems. But, and if they do, then get constructive. Let's get constructive and get this thing. I mean, I, I love the ultras of fanatics attitude. You know, I thought they were amazing against Saturday. The rallying cry they put out. You know, this is when being a fan is being a fan. We all turn up when we're winning. We can all, you know, be smug and smart when we're winning. You know, now is the time to support people, isn't it? Who do you remember? Who am I going to remember? The bloke who told me I was useless and rubbish and I don't know what I'm doing. Or the people that rallied around and tried to do something to help. Exactly. I can't, I can't do it on my own. You know, we can't do it without you. We can't do it without the manager. We can't do it without the players. We can't do it on our own. So you're kind of creating a part of the failure if people keep on with this negativity. It's not good for anybody. I'll give you an answer. You only have to ask. <laughs> Cheers, <Jim. laughs> Listen, guys, thanks. Thanks, thanks a lot for the opportunity because I personally think it's important that people get some answers to their questions. Yep. If I can't answer outright, and it's because I just think there's no point, you know, in some of it and going into it. I get the point, you know, about people that well, I do listen to the things and the mistakes that they think we've made. And I don't try and just excuse myself because I know something they don't. I try and look at it on the basis of, okay, maybe. I don't think it's constructive when it gets to, a, you know, the point where it, it, it kind of debilitates you and you don't even want to listen to it because you just think, well, it's just not sensible. So that's what I'd like to do. And we are, you know, say so we are, we are. I think sometimes we're better when our backs to the wall. So they yeah. are right now and hopefully we can get out of it. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Steve. Really appreciate Cheers, your significant time. Take care and I'm sure be more positive when we next speak to you. Right, before we uh before we go any further, um on, on the subject, yeah, that was that was a long one. <laughs> on the subject of uh, of there's so much to go into, and there's no way we can actually sort of do it justice and go through it today, of course. But when we come back, we will have a quick look back at the Southampton game. I assume most of you probably will go for that, but that obviously will be on the podcast if you want to catch up with it. But we'll be doing it anyway. And uh, in line with a lot of what uh, we were talking about just at the end there with Steve, I've got a very special ramblings ramblings for you. Samblings gone all ranty, some things really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue The refs are cut, the players are, and guess what, so are you He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such But please don't get him started on Jordan much Well, welcome to another Hamlings Ramblings. And this week, um, I had a couple of other things lined up, but then we got the news that Steve Parrish was going to be joining us for the uh, for the show, and we put it out there for you to, to come ask me some questions. And you know, there's always some funny guys out there who <laughs> send in some hilarious questions, isn't there? But it was a recurring theme that kind of kept happening, and that's the subject this week for me. So, you're getting told that. Uh, 
you know, perhaps we go a little bit too too easy on Steve Parrish. And I think I've addressed this in the past where I've said, look, yeah, bottom line is we're, you know, we're fairly polite people. We try to be professional in, in the way that an amateur radio show can be professional and you know we like to build a rapport with the people that we interview we've interviewed Steve on a number of occasions so obviously there's a, there's a bit of familiarity there so I think but people are reasonable aren't they they'll understand that no no they won't understand that well they know what they in fact do is post you a series of condescending messages be it on the BBS on, on Twitter on Facebook and whatever and just tell you actually what you think and why you're doing the things that you do they don't allow you to actually make a decision for yourself so I'm forced to ask myself what do you people actually want is it so so i start to scan down the the kind of messages that you're sending the questions that you want me to ask steve parish so uh, seemingly a fairly popular question you want me to ask steve parish is why are you c-? so i mean i don't know maybe maybe i should do that maybe i should ask steve why he's a c- and and see if that's a, a question that gets you the information that you actually want because uh, clearly that's something that you want to know the answer to or why would you ask it can't 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 really understand that one well apparently i also need to 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 ask, you know, why are your tra- why is your transfer policy a load of? Shit? Apparently, if if I actually phrase that question in a professional way to try and glean some kind of information or actual response for you, that's not actually enough. What you actually want me to do is just be a. So I'll try that, shall I? I'll be a head to everyone. And I'm going to start with all of you. Go yourselves. Chris Sambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue. The refs have come, the players are, and guess what, so are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan Mutch. Hi everyone, Terence here from the Preview Podcast. Did anyone see Nick Gussett Gillard on BBC News the other day? Talk about a face for radio. His face literally, quite literally broke the TV. Millions of poor viewers had to look at his face for three seconds, which in TV time is like, well, three whole seconds. He traumatised the nation like Frank DeBoer traumatised poor Joel Wald and Martin Kelly. Like Hambo, we know their shit, Frank. We just can't tell them their shit. Or they'll cry to Damien Delaney and he'll tell the chairman. Then we're all screwed. Anyway, I'm here to remind you that the Man City Preview Podcast will be available from all good podcast outlets from 10pm on Wednesday. Right, welcome back. Uh, Trying to get Lucy White connected, but I'm here with Patrick O'Connor. Gels had to go. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Chris. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. What did you make of all that then? (laughs) That was a long one. It was a lot. Um, Listen, he, he, you did, you and, by the way, just, uh, you and Joe did a great job asking questions you know he did the best he could i mean i don't know what people want um your know, hamley ram was was hilarious because i've been again people <laughs> want you to just be rude to the man it doesn't make any sense i mean again the man's running a, he's running a football club best he can he's a fan like we are he's doing the best he can and people like i said half people will like him half them won't and then most of he gets involved in say that he's doing a good job so you know that's just you know it's all that really matters really I mean, yeah i do want to address that first of all the, ha- the hamley's ramblings they you, you know obviously i'm doing that with a with a, a bit of an arch look on my face, tongue in cheek, I think the phrase is yes, okay. Yes. So I'm not actually telling anyone to to do anything, but I just <laughs> thought I just thought if I if I was to satirise their own uh, sort of comments back to them, that they would they would see how that doesn't 
it does not really very, doesn't really work, does it? Do they feel like talking to me? I've just told them to go something themselves. You know, we won't know what that something is because it was beamed out. But exactly. I was just, it was just a bit of satire. Please don't take any offence to it, apart from those of you who I meant offence, and you know who you are. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, just in all honesty, I I am very relaxed about it. Um, you know, I don't. I, we're always, you know, basically, if I went out and I was more aggressive with my questioning, there would be people who would criticise me for that. So, you know, I'm I'm very my you know my self esteem's bulletproof. It has to be when you look like this. To be honest with you, so there we go. Uh, Lucy, you're there as well. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, that was intense, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. It was very very good. So we uh, obviously we intended that as a uh, as a pre-record, um, but while we were sort of meandering our way around that. Uh, Steve suggested it'd be better because we'd wasted so much time just to jump on air live. So we did, we did jump on air live. And I think if hopefully, I think some people missed the start of it. Everyone overloaded our server. Um, I don't know where you all are every week normally, but bloody hell, uh, there was a lot of you tonight and it, um, you exceeded our server capacity. So a few people missed it. A few people missed the start. And obviously the start was quite important because we talked about Frank DeBoer and the reasons for it, for him leaving, um, you know, so, hopefully catch it on the podcast if you missed anything and, and do you do listen to it a couple of times you'll need to analyze it it was a very long discussion i think you know steve spoke with a lot of a lot of passion behind what he said you know and and, and clearly you know he, he feels the need to defend you know and, and say look you know if you're going to criticize me here it is here, here's what i think about that and you know you don't have to agree with it and you don't have to feel that necessarily we did a good job with our interview but i think there's plenty of in there plenty in there for everyone you know, and you might pick bits out and criticise and what have you, but you're free to do that. The information's there, but hopefully the message at the end, which is whatever you think, we've got a new manager in place, some new coaches. You know, we we've we've got to. We all want we all want things to change. We all think want things to get better. So let's hope they do. So, guys, bef- that, that's go, on, Patrick. Go. On. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, I thought one thing I thought interesting that he said, Chris, was about Allardyce leaving and how it really took him aback and set us back because, you know, he came into the, uh, and you know, the uh, summer thinking, okay, I've got a manager, I've got a transfer policy, we go out and do this. And then the, the manager quits. He's like, I've got to find a new manager again. And I really thought it was interesting that it really, you could tell it really, really threw him for a loop. And it, I think it really messed up all these plans for the summer. It really did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just seeing some of the tweets coming in. That was a very good point. <laughs> Uh, there you go. But most, you know, again, there was a lot of negativity at the start, I think, because people sort of, I think a lot of people joined us, uh, once we hit the transfer window discussion, which wasn't yeah. particularly probing, we were just talking about the difficulties of the transfer window. Many people would have heard that stuff before, but there we go. So, yeah, like I say, any bits you missed, do catch up on as well. But th- there's so much to analyse there. But we're only going to spend probably an extra next sort of you know five or ten minutes or so just going through what happened in Roy Hodgson's first game. So obviously at Sellers Park against Southampton, and uh, and it ended in a one nil defeat with uh, goal scored by Davis, wasn't it, Stephen Davis? Uh, with, a, with sort of drilled in from the edge of the box into the bottom corner, past uh, Joel Ward, who was trying to trying to clear it off the line. But I think we'll we'll just talk a little bit first, Patrick, if, if we may, about the fact that Roy Hodgson's been been in the building for two days, really, and elected to go with well the exact sort sort of lineup and, ta- and tactical setup that that Frank De Boer kind of left with. You can understand that, right? Yeah, I can. Um... Uh, you know, Steve Pad brought another good point out that you know he had at least tried to put some younger youngsters on, you know, got some 
it's got some uh, minutes this year like Kai Kai Lumeka and uh, Lakila. Now, at this point, they, they weren't given a chance not to start, obviously, but to be on the bench. But I understand where Hodge is coming from. It's the first game. It's a home match. We need to get a point at least. And I, he went with the players that he um, thought could do the job, and unfortunately he didn't. But I understand the logic. I wasn't happy with the lineup when I saw it, but I understand what he was what he was thinking based on like, the fact he's only been in the building for two days. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair, fair point. And, and Luce, you wouldn't, seen, wouldn't want to see too many changes from the from the lineup. They played so well against Burnley, even though we lost the game. Oh, and, you know, I was actually very optimistic going to the game yesterday and thought we might actually get something from it more for me. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was quite happy with the lineup. But I would have would have liked to see Luca start. I think he made yeah. a massive difference. Um, and based on the performance yesterday, I, I'm, I'm still questioning as to why Ward's getting in the team. But... You know, overall, um, why change? Uh, what what was looking like um, a good lineup from the Burnley game? Yeah, I mean, of course, you've got to have a starting point as a manager, and you know, it, as much as as much as it was probably frustrating to look at it and and see the sort of deficiencies that we saw against Burnley, particularly you know early, early on were still there in that team. And you kind of think, well, you shouldn't be surprised that those deficiencies are still there because, again, we looked shaky at the back. You're right to pick out, uh, you know, Ward struggling still at, at, at right back. And certainly later in the game cost us a little bit with a uh, another Toblerone-footed cross. But I think what was, what was again, you, you look at that, you, you think Hodgson's going to have to learn a lot from that. And, you know, obviously you've got Lewington and, and Stephen Reid with him as well. And they're going to look at the defence, hopefully, and I think the most obvious thing in that defence is is to push Fosu Mensah out as a right back because he doesn't win headers as a centre back. You know, he's he doesn't seem to be. He's very quick, great in the, in the challenge, but he just doesn't seem to win a header. So you've got to get him out of there, get a recognised centre back in. Hopefully that will be Sacco. I believe the the plan is to play Sacco and Pap Suare uh, against uh, Huddersfield in midweek in the cup, and then that starts to look like a, a much more solid defence. But I guess. Does that emphasise, Luce, how perhaps, and I, I know I sort of talked to Steve Parrish about it, but I think it was probably off air where I said, you know, De Boer perhaps could count himself a little lucky not to have the services of, of Sacco, you know, Loftus-Cheek and, and Zaha in most games. So, you know, I, th- I think Hodgson will probably reap the benefit of that. But, you know, does that sound like a, you know, would that, would that overcome that issue that you've, you've highlighted with Ward? I think so. And that's certainly the discussions that we were having post-match um, that you know you need to bring Sacco in, drop Ward, um, Posse Mender needs to go right back. Um, you know, as I've already highlighted, I think we should be starting Luca, and it will slow like those sort of things will slowly fill the gaps. Like, well, that's what we're hoping anyway. You know, yeah. we're hoping that the Sacco signing was the correct thing to do. Because knowing our luck, it will probably turn out that it wasn't, and then we'll all be like up in arms again. But yeah, that does seem like the logical thing to do. And equally, it's fantastic that we're going to have the option of Paco Suarez because none of us ever imagined that he would even be getting near a near a pitch again. So the fact that we're highlighting he could be a potential option is even better. 
Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure. I don't know, Patrick, whether you agree with this or not, whether Suarez is necessarily the answer at left back. Because, I mean, he came in and made a difference when we didn't have a left back. But we did always kind of question him a bit defensively. But given the horror show we saw from Jeffrey Schlupp, you'd have Pap in there, wouldn't you, over him? You have to at this point. I mean, Schlupp, Schlupp didn't, didn't play left back when he was at Leicester at all. He was more of a left sided midfielder than playing forward. So I don't understand why he's come. We bought him. And I get why we bought him, because I think we bought him thinking we weren't going to get Van Aanholt, and then we got him, and we got two of them. But I don't understand why we haven't, at some point, tried him higher up the pitch, because he's really a naturally more of a forward than a defender, and he's really looked bad in the last couple of matches. I mean, for all his faults Van Aanholt, at least Van Aanholt will give you a goalie once in a while. Schlupp can't even do that. So I'd be happy to have Schlupp, uh, Van Aanholt, so I back at left back as, as soon as possible, because Schlupp just really, he was very poor on, on the goal, and it just, he just had some, he just some, some mental breakdown defensively that we can't afford to have. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned his, his time at Leicester because I mean, you did play left back, but it was for a period where you know they very very quickly looked to replace him and they brought in Uwe. Is it Uwe Fuchs? Yes, I think exactly. it was. I think, yep, I think yep. it was Uwe. And then yeah, then when he did play, he, he came on the left side. And the other side of that is, you know, when where we're you know we are struggling in the team. A lot of people have, have pinpointed a punch, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But considering Will Sowen had been playing on the left, you kind of think, well, we're crying out for a pacey player on that side aren't we so why why have we not even tried him there and uh again i hope that's something that hodgson picks out yeah again i don't understand it either it, it would make sense to have him pushed up to the left side and the fact we haven't tried it yet really does uh, you know get you in a little bit yeah definitely um so let's talk let's talk jason punchin um he was interviewed before the game on sky um and they they played that interview on the um you know the palace tv channel thingy which i always forget the name of but it's very good <laughs> and uh, anyway they played it out on that and punch was talking a lot about you know he, as long as he's still doing the job for the teammates and the manager he doesn't really listen he's not big on listening to other people but i think that's clearly a reference to the sort of growing campaign to have him out of the team now again we're you know, I think those of us that are on the show tonight are not people who've had a long-term victimisation of Punchin or anything like that. We've, generally speaking, all talked recently about the fact that he's lost form. And I just want to highlight a moment in the game, if I may, where I think it was second half and we were looking to break. And the ball broke to Punchin around the centre circle and he turned and faced up. And you, we were crying out for him to just to carry the ball 20, 30 yards. But... You know, he took a couple of steps and then immediately he had to sort of turn back on himself and ran into trouble. Now, it's an opportunity to break. And if you listen to Hodgson, we're talking about playing on the break now. Um, so you do start to ask questions about where Punchin in this current run of form. Can he can he even fit into that, Patrick? Again, I've been one of his biggest supporters, but I even I think now it's time for him to, to, to take a rest. I don't know where he'd play because in our ideal, for me, uh, midfield three, it would be Luca, uh, um, probably um, Loftus Cheek and Kabai. Then you're looking at the wide players now. If Will comes back healthy, you put him out there. But I'd be honest, with you, I'd rather play Lumeka or Lakilo as the, one of the other other wide players with the Townsend because they can give you a little bit of pace, a little bit of energy. And that's just said yesterday. That's what Punch couldn't give us yesterday. And I, I, and the criticism that he's getting is it's so over the top that I defy him. You know, he doesn't listen to it. Obviously, I I unfortunately do. I'd rather take a take a break and and, and take a step back because. Um, it's it's gotten it's gotten ridiculous. The thing is, I'm I'm thinking now as a leadership from a leadership standpoint. Um, I think we've we've got a void. Sacco, 
I get it, you know, but he's very new to the club. So I think that could be an issue for us. You take the punch out, great. You know, we don't need him, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, who become that captain? We need one. I'll, I'll give Luca the cap- captaincy tomorrow, I would, I have to say. But, you well, know, I get again, that. He's, he's, he's yeah. playing. You know, he hasn't played for the last two managers a lot. You know, he just, you know yesterday he came on. For some reason, he fell out with, um, I think it was the whole playing this, the back three, fell out with De Boer. So I, I agree with you as far as leadership, but he hasn't played. You can't give a person hardly plays the captaincy, can you? Yeah, you can't. Well, let's just make sure we select him more often. Lose. Yeah, good point. Um, it, it, I, yeah, I would uh, say Luca as well, but like you say, he's um, not being picked as regularly. So it, I, I, I would choose Kabai, and I think that would also be a bargaining tool for Coop and Hold of him for a little bit longer. Yeah, I think that's yeah, fair point. But I don't. What what. What would be your midfield three? What would be my midfield three? Um, same as Patrick. Okay, fair. Let me cut out there. I got very, very confused for a moment. I apologise. Oh, I'm cutting out. It's me. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, it is you. <laughs> uh, hopefully. Sorry. I thought you just stopped speaking and then like, oh, I don't know. It's confusing. Uh, it's been a long, long show. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so let's all right. Let's let's stop there. Hopefully, if we change tact on what I'm talking about, my connection will hold up. Um, let's talk about the goal. So it was part of Schlapp's nightmare. He was beaten way too easy down the left hand side. Failed to stop the cross. Uh, ask Lucy about Wayne Hennessy's confusion because I respect your views, Patrick, <laughs> and you may not want to get involved in that conversation. <laughs> Not, not and, uh, and then we'll talk not even a little bit so nope. cross comes in loose yeah. obviously Schlupp doesn't really help uh, what about Hennessy's little push out is that good enough um, oh, yes because the defenders should be doing their job as well um, you could potentially argue that he should have caught it rather than just like parrying it or pushing it out the way um, but you could argue as well that the defenders weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, oh. Joel Ward was just, or like, uh, uh, granted he was on the back line, but if he was doing his job properly, he would have stopped it going in. Well, um, there's a you, you actually you've you've gone on the right answer. I tried to lead you a certain way, and you've 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 actually done said what I th- I thought was the case. Now, I, for, I will mention on on behalf of people who have criticised Hennessy that a top class goalkeeper. Would have would have got his hands to that ball and diverted it properly, right? It wouldn't have just been pushed out. But if you actually look at the source of the problem, the source of the, that goal being conceded, is when Kabai just let Stavis run off him. And you know that he has plenty of opportunity to get back, get goal side of Davis, but it just never happens. So whatever you know, Schlupp should be criticised for getting for not letting the cross. Sorry, for not stopping the cross. Hennessy can be criticised for not pushing it out of uh, out of danger and actually just pushing it into play. And Ward potentially could be criticised for not getting the ball off the line. But, but to be fair to him, he's running at pace across the line and he's just gone it's gone the other side of him. So very unfortunate. But the bigger problem is Johan Kabai not following his uh, you know the, the, the nearest midfielder to him. So I, I found that very very frustrating, Patrick. Chris, you make great points, and I totally get it. And we've we've given up goals based on individual errors, but we can't afford to have a keeper that does what Wayne Hennessy does. 
we need a keeper that will make that save in the right way that will get us out of trouble. We can't afford to. You know what I mean? And that's the big issue I have. I'm done complaining about the, the player because I, you know, I've, I've made my my, my 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 opinions clear on him. But we need we need a keeper that makes that save in a way that we can clear that ball. Not that you know we have to go back, back and analyze what Schlupp did, what Kabai did, what Ward unfortunately couldn't do. And that's what the biggest problem for me now is we don't, we can't afford to have a keeper in there that does that. We can't. You can't. You and I know your thoughts on Hennessy Patrick, but the blame can't lie solely with him. If that's the, if I wasn't. I, I, to be oh, clear, I wasn't, I wasn't blaming just him. I'm just saying. Just I'm just saying that we need to. I'm not saying it was his fault alone. I'm just saying that we, we can't afford to have a keeper that does that when we have I, other players making mistakes. Do you know what I mean? I do agree with you on that. But in that case, we need a right back that defends properly. We need a midfielder that can control the control the centre. We need a striker that can score a goal. There's there's loads of gaps. Agree. hundred percent. Well there we go. Agreement. Hundred percent agreement <laughs> on Homestar Radio. Woo! You can tell DR's not on, can't you? Um <laughs> anyway <laughs> sorry I just had to get a little dig in there. Oh dear. So um you know, obviously, we've we've got a goal down, and it, again, as as Patrick's mentioned, it's individual error, and that's been the story of the season already. But uh, again, for me, taking the positives into it, you could have, you, I would expect, you know, a team that's got Mamasako in it, we're not gonna gonna see such such problems going into the future. Yes, we have got three tough games coming up, but you know, I'm starting to feel a lot more confident, and you know, but it, it the you know the other thing that it just throws up is. You know, I, I fear the I fear being a one man team, but not having Wilfred Zaha in that side, it's, it's killing us. It's absolutely killing us because you see, I don't know if you saw this, Patrick. They were doubling up on Townsend. Yeah, I didn't, and and then that, and that's a good point. And you know what? The funny thing is, also, I think that. God, I hate to get on his case, but having Warden on, on Townsend's side doesn't help Townsend. Because Townsend looks to play like little balls to him. And, you know, Ward can't cross a ball, as he showed yesterday. He put the ball over the over the back. So it frustrates Townsend, I'm sure, playing on the same side with him and not being able to have someone that can get him out of those, you know, three-on-one or two-on-one, uh, you know, situations. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, like you say, the, the gates anything that we can do positively, and of, of course, the, the point about Ward remains remains valid. And again, I don't want to victimise Joel Ward, yeah. you know. And, and I've, I've, I feel he hasn't been helped no. by by the decision, the tactical decisions of the manager. This, you know, that, <laughs> I agree. You know, he, he was hung out to dry. Let's face it, because he wasn't wasn't really played pre season, and then all of a sudden he's starting at right wing back on the first day of the season. So. You know, I have my sympathy with Joel Ward, and you know, to, to again to listen to see Paris talk today, we, you know, we talked about the kind of characters at the club and all that kind of stuff, and you know, it's, it's, you do remember that Joel Ward and, and people like James McCarthy had a horrible game, I thought against uh, against Southampton, but he's had so, you know, he's been so important over the years, and you kind of think, you know, it, we're at a stage now where it's almost possible to pick out every individual and and, and t- talk about what they're costing us. Um, and and then you start to wonder, you start to wonder if you've kind of lost, you know, lost grip on a, on on, a, on, an, on analyzing the team properly. Because I start, to, I, I was never doing this before. You know, I was never, I was never able. I was always able to, you know, pick out Jordan much. But other than that, you know, I never had any real inclination to do this. And it's, it's, I feel odd. I feel odd doing it. 
Um, and I think it's kind of it's a reflection of the bad results we're having. But it's also, I think it's endemic of how unsure the team are. Um, and, and I, and I again, without, you know, sort of putting words in people's mouths, if you look at the, the what how Steve commented on the, the decision to remove Frank, you know, he made it quite clear it wasn't about four games. It was about, you know, the organisation of the squad and the ambition and the, you know, and the methods by which he was trying to get the results. And I think that shows. I think you can, you've got the evidence where Roy's come in and, and picked the same team in the same formation. It still didn't really seem to help. You didn't get a consistent performance. So you've still got players who don't really know what they're doing on a, on a game-to-game basis. So, you know, we've got to address that. We've got to address the game plans that, that are going out there. And I think that's, you know, if anything, it's a good, it's a good time for, for Roy to learn. So, uh, again, we don't want to dwell too much on the game, but Lucy Benteke had a tremendous chance to equalise. Uh, just not going in for him, is it? No. And um, I think we could have played for another 45 minutes and I don't think we would have scored. I think it was just one of those games where we had the opportunities and it, we were just so unlucky. It just, it, I know it's a cliche, but it just wasn't our day. And Patrick, go yeah, as, as dumb as it may sound, though, you know, we don't concede that goal early. I think we get a point or, or more because when you when you when you concede a goal that early, you put all the pressure, you know, the game, all the game plan goes out the window, as they say. But like last year, we, when we played, you know, when we played against Chelsea, you know, the whole Benteke goal, the way, you know, this, the goal changed, you know, changes, it changed, goals change matches and, and guys get more confident. And again, giving up stupid goals like last week and then and then yesterday, just it's so frustrating, but it just automatically throws everything you're trying to do as a, as a coach, as a player, out the window and becomes very chaotic. And obviously, Benteke should have scored. I think Punchin had a great chance to score also and didn't score. But when you give up goals like that, it's just so hard to come back from. It just makes it life so much difficult. That's, that's, that's the thing with us right now. We're just giving up way too many stupid goals and have no ability, obviously, to score in five in five, almost cursed in five matches. <laughs> you almost cursed. I, I almost cursed. You believe that? Wow. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But no, you're right. Yeah, and again, you picked out the, the fact that Punchin had, had a great chance as well. You know, the cynic in me wants to say that's what happens when you got a keeper who makes saves, and I say that all the time, and I, <laughs> I feel bad about it. You know, but but, but not bad, that not that bad. Um, so anyway, look, I, I, I'm not going to go any longer. I don't think I appreciate your uh, your time. So you sat there very quietly and patiently listening to the Steve Parrish interview. So I wanted to give you a. a, a chance to get your points across so but before we go is there anything that uh, either of you want to bring up ahead of the next few games really like you know what what are you expecting from Roy I'll give each of you a chance to answer that uh, start with you Lucy <laughs> yeah, you come to me first. <laughs> um I think it'll be quite methodical I don't think it'll be spectacular um I'm really excited uh for the Tuesday's game to see Mama and Papa coming um, coming back. Um, look, I don't really expect us to get an awful lot from the, the next three league games. Um, but, you know, again, to use another cliche, expect the unexpected. We've beaten City before. We've beaten Chelsea before. Let's try and just do the best we can, I guess. Sorry, I, I might have been reading my phone there, but I was listening. 
tired, Luce. I really am. Sorry. It's past my bedtime. Yeah. All right, Patrick. Your chance to uh, to comment a little bit on um, what what you're expecting over the next few games and what you're expecting Roy to bring to the club. I don't. I don't even know because there won't, so won't be a long answer. I don't know, Chris. I was disappointed with his um, tenure at um, England. Very disappointed. I listened to the uh, preview show uh, with Terence tonight, and I really like what um, the people that came on had to talk about it. Carl and uh, who was the other person that came on? Rich the right, the right. Sorry. Rich Cowley. Right, Rich Cowley, the Fulham, the like the Fulham fan, who's also who writes out on the press. So I was, I was, I was very buoyed by what they said, but I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm concerned. The, the, the positive is, is, is this. We, we you know, we were going down. We got Pulis, we survived. We were going down, we got Aladai, we survived. We were going down, hopefully we get Hodgson, we'll survive. Because there seems to be a pattern here with what we seem to be best at as far as getting certain types of managers to play in a certain style. I really just hope that um, the players for me have to step up. I, I don't think it was all about the manager who, who left. I don't think it's all about going to be all about Hodgson. I think the players have to step up. I haven't been very happy with what I've seen from some of the efforts, some of the players. I'm really hoping that Hodgson can get some well, better players to play better and just change the things around and we'll get some wins. I'm not sure uh, if it will come in the next couple of matches, but even if we get a point or two, I'd be happy with that. Fair play. Um, to, you know, I'm going to answer the question myself as well because I feel like it. Um, just re- reading, just re- sorry, just reading someone on Twitter saying apparently we were, I was asking supplied questions and I got raffled when I was asking real ones. Right. <laughs> number one, you, number one, you fucking prick. I, I wrote all the questions. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> all right, all right, and we all love a conspiracy, don't we? You know, we, you know, you're loving sitting there watching the Sci-Fi Channel about you know ancient aliens or whatever it is you're doing. But honestly, mate, you know, I, I wasn't ruffled answering questions that I wrote, was I? Oh Jesus, some people. I, I swore as well. Like I'd like to apologise to any of you that were actually left listening mm-hmm. uh, that I swore. <laughs> Sorry, another I was angry. Things coming on. <laughs> yeah, there'll be another one for next week. Just a, just about Johnny Thompson, eh? So I've given him the oxygen of publicity now. I hate you, Johnny. I'm all right now. I've got it out of my system. I, I am tired. I'm overtired. I'm not usually like this. Well, I am off air. Just on air, I'm usually a bit more professional than that. So anyway, look, I'm hoping that, uh, that you know Roy comes in and can see some of the things that the, that the fans have been observing. And I don't want to credit fans for seeing things that professional football managers don't but i think all of us can see um where we're struggling in that squad you know we can all see that the goalkeeper position needs addressing as soon as we're able to do so it doesn't take a genius to work out that the striker positions need freshening up so we have actual opportunities to you know to kind of i, I guess change things in a game as much as cover injury and all that kind of stuff but i think and, and you know, and obviously right back. But I think most importantly, I just I hope to see the squad being given a, a setup and a game plan that they're comfortable with. Because if they're if they're in that position where they're in a game and they're comfortable, and we can get a goal ahead, that's just what we need. Just that little spark to get a goal ahead. I think that squad and that certainly the first team is capable of beating a you know a large percentage of the the Premier League and giving anyone in that in the Premier League a really good game. And look into the next three matches, which are incredibly difficult against the two Manchester clubs and Chelsea. 
I still believe that the squad that we've got is capable of pushing those teams. Even if we get zero points out of it, I just want to see a typical dogged Palace performance that, you know, that has a bit of spots, you know, bit of a spark to it that we, we do break quickly and we don't slow things down unnecessarily. That's what I want to see. And hopefully we'll see that going into the next few games. There you go. So my thanks very, you know, for their very short contribution, but still value nonetheless. Thank you, Lucy. You're welcome. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Thank you, Mikey, for sticking with me for the last, well, it's been over three and a half hours that we've been doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> hopefully he's, he's still alive and can end the show properly. Oh, well, thanks no. to you. Make sure. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> uh, Dio's voice again. Uh, obviously, do join us. Do join Terence for the preview show uh, by podcast on Wednesday, previewing our next game against uh, Man City. I believe it is. And then obviously we'll be back on the Sunday. It's not me. Uh, I am. Well, I have to say that I'm on jury duty, but I'm not allowed to tell you what it's about. I don't know yet, but that's, uh, that starts first thing tomorrow morning, so I best get to bed. Um, so anyway, speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Oh, I apologise. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.